Welcome to episode 281, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and himself, Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason. How you doing? Uh, this is uh, our first Periscope version of, of uh, texting. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Well, so I don't even know what this Periscope thing is. I just sat down, have a camera in my face. You have a big smile on your face. I feel like I'm being punked. So what's no, going you are, on? No, that? you're not being punked. No, no, no. Uh, so I, because I told you I was going to stream it live, right? Right. I knew that. And you, you, you said, okay, we'll set, you know, send a, an email to the, to the list. But the way that, I mean, that, that is kind of cool to do that, obviously to get more listeners, but Periscope's a bit more like just laissez-faire than that. Basically, you open up your app, either Meerkat or Periscope, okay. you click go. And it just instant tweets it to your to your uh, Twitter stream. So you know, right. I have the eleven thousand. Like I've tried streaming a few things, and even just when I open it up, like there's already five people on within a minute. Okay, you know. So um, I mean, we've got we've got six viewers at this present moment in time. Okay, who knows how many we'll have? Um, it's just like a thing to to do, I guess, just to put it on while we're recording the show. Um, maybe we'll get a few questions coming in, which I can see on the screen here. Okay. Um, yeah, and, that's a, that's what I was gonna ask. So, how do they that their app the app allows you them to ask questions? Yeah, yeah. The okay. app, app also lets them ask questions. So, I do know that Philip Monet is on. So, oh, great. Well, that's uh, we haven't talked to him. And he says hi. Right. And lol. <laughs> and uh, so, cool. so is the video streaming not just the audio? Yeah, video. Right. And the whole thing's coming across. Yeah, that's yeah. That's pretty impressive. So basically, it's just like y- you are your own TV station, which is kind of cool in its own right. Like that is cool. Like so, so Me- Meerkat and Periscope are very. Uh, Periscope is, I believe, been bought by Twitter, and Meerkat's like the, uh, the kind of underdog. But coming the Coke up, and Pepsi. Yeah, um, but the way that I heard of it was from uh, Misha Alcorn. Yeah, so, Micah. Micah. Misha. Yeah, it's Micah. But um, Philip says that the video quality is pretty good. Okay, all right. So, um, well, since we're since we're on video, I could do like a free uh, advertising for El Pollo Loco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your favorite place that's right I just go back there for lunch I just, I'll come over <laughs> um to all like the six viewers or whatever right. so um but the way the way that i actually had heard of it in the first place uh was because you know um mike micah basically he recorded himself and streamed himself on video listening to our show really yeah <laughs> was he just like shaking just, his head just going that was show talking talking about stuff and just like saying stuff so yeah i don't really know if, i don't know if he was shaking his head but that's what. great that's great okay yeah but what are you doing you're clicking things on the phone uh, so it, it flicks the camera between you know backwards and forwards oh so basically the camera is focused on you um most of the time but i'm just going to click it and show my i thought head. i thought you were using your laptop as like a second camera so we have like a two camera shoot because you could do facetime all oh, right no, no, no. I'm just, I, I don't think they have that capability i'm just using my camera as uh sorry my laptop as a way to look at the links and stuff okay so that's okay yeah could you can you do two apps i it, that's the very a, that's the thing that i asked i actually did i watched a stream from the meerkat hq and i was like asking questions like that it's just simple right now it's just simple. so the answer is no not yeah, yet not but yet, yeah. okay maybe right. in the future all right cool yeah so uh is it back on me now is that when i no, actually okay. it's back on me oh okay all right <laughs> do, you, do you want me to tell you where, where the camera is no that's okay i you know fine all right, I'll put it back on you. It's it's you gotta gotta double click it as well, which is a bit weird. Okay. Rather, right. they should just have a button that you can press. But anyway. All right. Well, this is a this is a, I have to say I'm impressed by the technology. Yeah. Something like this could work. And it rec- and it can record it and upload it, so you know people can kind of view it afterwards. Well, great. Kind of cool too. All right. Well, hey, when you said you you sent an email out 
the list, the texting list. That list was like three years old or something. Yeah, it, it is. So did you did you not go and because I was going to suggest is that you scrape the, the the emails off the comments for the past few years because that would be all the active listeners, active commenters, um, people who because people who who listen to the show a lot comment a lot, but maybe they weren't around back then. Yeah, well, uh, that's just a little bit too much work. Yeah, I knew. So. You know. <laughs> it's funny. You're, you're such a hard worker in certain ways. I know. And then such a non-hard worker in other ways. I mean, it comes just like that. I was like, there's no way he did that. Like, right. you'll, you'll spend the three or four hours researching the optimal audio video configuration, right? You'll, you'll spend all your time doing that, but it's like the, the email list is just, there's no shot that you're going to do that. So Philip's saying, when I switch audio, when I flip it around, um, so when I flip around the camera, the audio stops for a second. Oh, okay. That's pretty crap. So maybe I'll just leave it on you. I don't really care if it shows me. I'll just, if there's some, if I'm doing some You want to make a thing, face at something stupid? No, if I'm doing some right monologue in. or something, I'll switch right, it my right. way. Otherwise, okay, so you, you, Philip, you've got Jason for the next hour and a half. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> nice. So, um, well, how are you doing? What's up? Doing all right. We've... What was the last time we did a show? It was like been like three weeks or something. Yeah, we did. We did an interview show. Uh, like Death by Flying Fire was the last one. Flying Tire. Yep, Flying Tire. And that was three weeks ago, I think. April twenty one. Right, and then since then, I did. Oh, the, wow, that was. I did the yeah. Mike Tabor interview on. Right, you flew May solo. 1. You flew solo on that one. Yeah. How long was that interview? Um, about an hour. Okay. Yeah. Right. I figured. Okay. Hmm. All right. Cool. Um. So what's going on? Do you have a bunch of links that you want to talk about? Wait, no, I, I just asked you. Well, oh, okay. You, well, you I'm, I'm deflecting, I guess. <laughs> you told me that you had like a whole um, bunch of uh, topics you were going to be prepared for this I show. didn't say that. Oh. When did I say that? <laughs> you said you didn't want to record yesterday because you had nothing and you were going to get a bunch of stuff prepared. I never we said that I actually about... got those things prepared. Oh, okay. I said that Fine. I wanted to. Well, I, uh, <laughs> I managed to jot down like seven or eight notes of just... <laughs> titles for topics so that I would things that I could bring up um right. you know it's funny I'll I'll read I'll read a lot of stuff but then a lot of it is might be fun to read but it's not great to talk about yeah you know it's as something that it's you know you're gonna shrug at or listeners are gonna be like okay it's just yeah. it's funny and and so sometimes it's hard to find things that are, that are that are gonna be really good fodder for discussion um but uh let's see so we'll start off um so empath may be undergoing a resurrection <laughs> dude <laughs> so should i recap that real quickly well yeah, i mean yeah given that it's like the year of no like it's the it's the second year of no it's the it's this is the year of well maybe <laughs> it's the year it's now the year of well maybe okay well here, here's the thing um okay so uh lola approached me this idea about a little over a year, year and a half, maybe 15 months ago. I think it was like February 2015, give or take. Right. And the idea was that we're going to build some software that would um, allow companies to gauge the satisfaction, happiness, productivity of their employees. Right. Sort of an emotional, get an emotional pulse. Winner. Because when people are dissatisfied or frustrated, they're usually not productive. And also they are probably thinking about leaving. Right. And all kinds of bad things happen when people are dissatisfied. And it's a lot, it's difficult for employees to express this type of discontent without feeling like they're jeopardizing their career, right? Or the mm -hmm. position. Yeah. And so that doesn't get communicated uh, oftentimes until it's too late, until someone's walking out the door. They've made their decision. 
yeah, and it's just very expensive. And and a lot of times you have, especially a lot of startups and younger technology companies, you have a lot of younger managers who haven't really learned how to uh, get the kind of information out of their team, figure out when people want to work on a new project or they want new opportunities or they want more guidance or they want less guidance or whatever, right? Yeah. And if there was a way to get that information from the team members in a way that the team members didn't feel like they were jeopardizing their situation and in a way that was productive for uh, managers and senior management, et cetera, then it would be potentially a really valuable system. Yeah. Platform. So um, Lola, um, when she talked to me about it, she's like, hey, you know, I got, I have some, I know some people at a few of these companies and I think they'd be very interested in this. If we could get to some basic working, I'm pretty sure we could make a sale. She's like, it's, you know, obviously it's not a sure thing as say consulting, but you know, it's, 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 I think it's a pretty, pretty good bet. And I said, all right, well, you know, it sounds like a pretty straightforward thing to build. Um, you know, I don't have a ton of time, but you know, maybe we can put something together, at least get an MVP or at least a really good demo to show them. And if they say, Hey, yeah, we're really interested, then we'll complete and write it, put an MVP together. Yeah. So, um, that's essentially where we're going. But then right around that time, um, Lola s- started talking to a lot of friends of ours who were current or, f- uh, former or were alums of Y Combinator or currently within Y Combinator. And they were also just gung ho about YC, like, oh, you got to do this. You got to apply. The yeah. network is amazing. The support, the, you know, everything. And I think, uh, and, and, you know, and she, she believed it. She's like, you really wanted to get into Yeah, this you know, thing. and I think there are a lot of reasons. I mean, she's up San Francisco alone. She's like, you know, if she had like a, a, you know, a sort of a support network like that, that that could help a lot. Even though she's kind of a marketing uh, uh, force of nature on her own. So like, yeah. I'm not really sure why she would need it because she knows, seems to know everybody. Um, but that was that was where she was at, and so she convinced me to say, "All right, let's we'll just go ahead and apply." So she, you know, she we do the application, we we send the application to YC, we get accepted for an interview, or we get you know get past stage one, we go on for the interview. But uh, the problem with the interview was that we really didn't have anything built; it was just a a, 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 a simple demo. And I think at that stage, you're competing against a lot of companies that actually have working product and even some traction. All right. Okay. And there was some skepticism of whether we could pull it off in the sense that employees would give feedback into that situation. Um, I, I think Sam Altman particularly was like, was skeptical of that and thinking that, you know, people, people would be very nervous about replying to any kind of questionnaire. Yeah. So employee, employee, the employees were going to be too scared to, to give real honest feedback. Yeah. The way the system would work, it would send an email out, say once every, you know, two to three weeks, depending on how you configure it. And it would, you know, it might ask you a handful of questions, you know, more than a handful of questions, but it might ask you questions, five minutes worth of questions saying, you know, so Justin, uh, you know, how are, how, you know, you feel like you're getting enough, um, um, are you working on projects you're interested in? Are you, do you feel like you could use more support? Do you feel like you could use more you know, training opportunity? You know, kind of phrasing things in a very positive way. Just yeah. like, what could you use more of? Yeah. Do you need more time to work on stuff? Do you need more communication? Do yeah. you need more of this? And rather than complaining, you're just like, oh, you know what? I could use more of this, right? It and definitely it, depends on the employee, though. Just as a, just as a, my my own personal feedback, like, because I know that some some employees just, you know, they don't, they just don't want to. Yeah, yeah. They're no, there's not. No, they're scared. They're just, I don't know. It's just like they don't want to talk about those kind of things. They just want to get on with their job. Yeah, well, and if they're happy, that's they're just happy. some yeah. people. Yeah, that's true. Some people just want to talk, but I think most people 
most people are unwilling to communicate how they feel about things if they feel there's some going to be some kind of direct or indirect repercussion. Yeah. Um, so the system would ultimately shield shield them from that because the management would never have access to the questions that were asked and how they were answered. It would only give, you know, a list of the team members say, Justin, uh, it said the, you know, the number one action item for Justin is Justin is really interested in some leadership opportunities. Right. Yeah. Um, Jason is, uh, you really should get Jason on a new project. He's really interested in doing something in the, in, yeah. in a, a new area. Okay. You know? Okay. So that's, that's interesting. So we didn't get it. We didn't get accepted to YC. Um, that kind of killed the momentum. That was last year, right yeah. about this time. Um, you might want to talk about the year of no a little bit. Yeah, well, well let, me, let me just finish off the, right, the empath okay. thing. So, um, well, I mean, the reason, like, because that's part of the empath story. Yeah, well, I just felt like I got sucked into something that was more than I really had time for. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, you know, and 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 that's happened to me a number of times. I, I, you know, people approach me, people I like, and they're really excited about something, and they really want me to get involved. And so you, you, you basically. Told Lola, I'm not going to participate in this. Well, this was later. I said this was actually um, things kind of limped along. We 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 didn't do anything for a while, and then we started doing some stuff, and there just wasn't a lot of progress made. And I, I, a lot of it would have to be, you know, I would have to be blamed on me in the sense that I just didn't have the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, Uber was just taking up a lot of my time. Yeah, and the time that wasn't taken up Uber was honestly just teaching the math class. You ben know? Ben Reyes just joined, by the way. Oh, great. Periscope, the scope, as it's called. Oh, okay. It's called a scope. <laughs> so um so around i think it was sometime in in in, uh, in february i i i sent i talked to lola and i just said you know i just i really just am not the right fit for this you need somebody who has the time to do this and it's gonna because if if this thing takes off and you get kind of funding you're gonna need someone who can do this full time yeah. who's gonna maybe live in the bay area with you you know i mean i'm not moving from pasadena i'm not gonna do this full time so those were all reasons that were just made it a very poor fit for me. So I can't, so how, how on earth has it turned around? I'm very curious. So, yeah, so she, she understood, she was disappointed, but she understood, but that was kind of the death of empath. Yeah. As you can imagine. Um, but then Lola called me up and she said, you know, I was talking to this, uh, this VC firm, um, and wasn't really pitching it. I think she was more talking about a position there and they were really interested in her, but they said, you know, well, especially one of the partners was like, you know, I'm still really interested in empath. I really don't think empath should go away. You know, <laughs> I really think there's, I really think there's something there. We really want to put money into something like that. Wow. Lola's like, <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, like, I just had this conversation with Jason. He just like said, I can't do it. You know, it would it even be like two or three months since then, because this was just like a few weeks ago. And so I think she was just emotionally past it and was yeah. like, okay, I'm just going to take a position at a venture capital firm and it's going to be a little less stressful. And, you know, it just empath is the dream is gone. Yeah. Right? So she sends me this email and she says, you know, they're wondering they're wondering if I could recruit a technical co-founder. They're wondering all that, you know, is it still possible? And she's like, I don't know. And she's just like, I, okay, I guess I'm going to have to think about this. And that was, you know, I kind of laughed and I said, you know, and empathized with her. And I said, well, um, I'll, I said, tell you what, let me see if I can help you find someone, <laughs> you know? And it was just more of a passive. I mean, I really couldn't think of enough top of my head. And I said, well, if something but like, like what, like frame this, I mean, what, 
beyond just saying we we really want to put money into something like this, like what else did they say? Did they have anything, any kind of firmer no, aspect to it? No, no, okay. just like you know, if if you have a if you have a successful venture firm that says, hey, we're interested in this, we would like to invest in something like this. Mm-hmm. We like you. We are impressed by you. Mm-hmm. If you can put together a team and give us a an, a impressive enough, satisfactory enough pitch, yeah. We could do something. The terms. No promises, yeah. but, you know, I think they're just, it, particularly that one partner was, you know, just had a really strong interest in this. Okay. And so, um, and the stuff they'd seen out there didn't really um, impress them that much. So, um, and, and then it was like a couple weeks ago, a buddy of mine, actually, I, well, I guess you call him a buddy of mine, but I, so I, I am a, a, uh, an advising CTO to this company called Pivot. Oh yeah, um, and you know, which usually amounts to a phone call once every three or four weeks. And Mike, the CEO, gives me an update, and maybe he'll ask me a dozen technical-oriented questions, that kind of thing. Um, but it, it, earlier on, I helped hire who was then sort of the VP of engineering, their lead developer, yeah, a guy named Matt, and uh, great guy, and. Pivot went through a period where they ran out of money and they had to kind of re- he had to kind of go through a death and resurrection phase and so they couldn't pay, you know, their their people and so Matt had to go and get another job. Yeah, but he and I stayed in touch. Um, and uh, he every once in a while we'll we'll you know we'll catch up on whatever. And he so he just he sent me an email two three weeks ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, and he says, hey, um, I have this good buddy of mine. He's lives out in San Francisco. He had been doing remote work for uh, the agency I work for. He's a talented guy, um, great guy, but, um, you know, they the firm cut off all remote work uh, because they're going to send all remote work to Columbia. I think it was Columbia or well, Chile. Just, or something overseas. By the way, it sucks that you didn't send it my way, but anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know mean? I'm looking for remote workers, and so did Ben. That, sorry, um, Matt, he knows I'm looking for remote workers. Looking for remote workers? Yeah, Matt knew that. Because I interviewed him. And oh, the reason why I didn't do the job. right. I didn't know you were still looking for remote work. The workers. reason why I didn't do the job was because it was remote. Hmm. <laughs> so he definitely knew. But anyway, that's fine. I didn't know you were doing, you were still looking for remote workers. Well, we, we, yeah, we, we are. I mean, we're always looking for the next person. Oh, yeah. well, you never told me. I didn't know that. Okay. I thought your right. team was set. All right. It didn't even occur to me that I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. You can I'm not use more it. in touch with your needs. <laughs> you can use it. You can use uh, for your empath. That's not right. Yeah. Well, so... Um, so then I, I, I started talking to him, I, talking to him and I, I actually just first some an email. I said, well, what are you interested in? What size company? What, what do you want? Um, and, uh, yeah, I, maybe I skip the part, but Matt said, can you hook this guy up with something? And so I sent him an email. I said, Hey, you know, I, I, I know a fair number of people in, in San Francisco area running various startups or whatever. I said, if you can let me know what you're looking for and what your general skill set is, I, I'll see if I can help make a connection. Yep. So he, um, he, 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 you know, he listed some things and I said, you know, I said, but there's one other idea, possibility. <laughs> I said, I don't know. I said, you know, and I sort of gave the background in a path and I said, you know, she needs a technical co-founder. I said, here's the kind of thing that I think if you built, you, you would probably find it pretty quick whether if you got funded, but if you got funded it by, it'd be by a first tier VC. Um, they have a real personal interest in it. Um, I think it's the kind of thing that you could build without a ton of time and you'll probably find out pretty quickly whether it's going to work or not. Right. But uh, I just don't have the time to actually build it. Um, okay. 
And I told Lola, I said, I'd be happy to be uh, like a, an advising CTO. Mm-hmm. So I can help you hire people. I can help you think through the technology, think through the product, all that kind of stuff. You could use my name, uh, you know, if it helps raising money, um, all that kind of stuff. So, and Lola, of course, like that's that would be great. But you know, still finding a technical founder is is a bit of a challenge, especially in the Bay Area with all the competition. Yeah. So um, he said, "Yeah." He said, "The thing is, he's like that sounds really cool, you know." And there's go. Oh, then he called me, and we went back. You know, we had a long talk about, it, and he got really excited about the idea. And he said, "The problem is, he's like, I put my resume out on hired." dot com yeah and i said you might want to freeze that until you find out about this because you're going to get just a deluge of offers basically yeah. looking yeah. i just I, I looked at his online resume and i'm like yeah you're gonna get crushed with offers yeah and sure enough he like a week later he said yeah you're right about that <laughs> <laughs> like, um so but he and lola talked and i think they both really liked each other and um he really understood the product i think after talking with me and talking with lola he got it. Hmm. He got the value proposition. He thought he was excited about it. Excited about the possibility of playing that kind of role. Yeah, and does he have the space to like not have funds, kind of not interim earnings? Well, well I guess set up. I, I think that uh, well, his wife works. They don't have kids yet. Okay. And he's like, you know, I could get this done on nights and weekends. He's like, it's not, you know, I could like, put this together in rails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and after, Makes sense. because I'd really helped frame it. Like, I'm like, this is really what needs to be. This is how it needs to work. And, you know, he's a smart. No, enough. it's not. It's not like rocket surgery. Like, yeah. You know, it is. It's um, very doable as a side project. So, um, especially for just getting MVP. Yeah, I can. And um, and so that's what it looks like is going to happen. It looks like nice. they've already sort of sorted out the equity, and I'm going to be the advising CTO, which I've I've decided is probably a really nice position for me. Generally speaking, yeah. Um. Uh, you know, he he called me up and he said, "Yeah, he says, he said, uh, he said, yeah, Matt told me your uh, your strategy or your what do you say so your business strategies. You raise your rates really high, and then you cut them in half and you take some equity along with <laughs> with the pay." And I'm like, I never knew that was my strategy, but I think I like it. Yeah, <laughs> if that's my strategy. I think I'll. Oh yeah, I get that's uh, that's interesting. But you know, I mean, I I guess I'm in a I'm a partner with MV Co Club. Not an advisor, but yeah. you know, I kind of serve the same kind of same kind of purpose. I'm more, although Doug doesn't need me for technology advice. I'm just a sounding board mm-hmm. sort of friend, or you know, whatever. But I serve that purpose for Pivot. Um, and I guess you know, if Empath gets up, then I could easily do that because it doesn't take up any time. No, it's like you've got your your beginning. It's the seed of the Jason Roberts incubator, <laughs> the JRI. Yeah, no, it's you know, because I have I have. I have stake in I don't know, a handful of startups because of doing work or whatever. And I'm like, this is not a bad deal. Cause if you, if you, if you kind of vet what you're working on, you're like, you only work on projects that you think uh, on startups you think are really going to yeah, have work. a good chance. Yeah. You're like, okay, this, this equity is actually could be meaningful with good people. Yeah. And, um, so it, it could work. I mean, obviously these kinds of things are still risky and it'll be years and years before you get any payoff. But, um, yeah. So empath may have yet an, uh, uh, another life in it. Um, sweet. We'll probably know. I just saw, um, uh, I just saw some link sent to him, sent to me, uh, that Ben sent me, uh, that had some MVP stuff in it. So he, he's already done some work. Oh, great. Some feedback on it. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. But did you, I mean, did you ping him the stuff that you'd done? 
Uh, yeah, I sent it. I mean, but a lot of the stuff, I, you know, the thing is, he asked me, he's like, well, what do you have? And I said, well, honestly, I said, I have a bunch of the web app infrastructure, all the, the, the front end stuff. Yeah, no, no, just kind of like the, you know, it's like, it's like the, um, you know, it's just the infrastructure. When you get a web app, like all the skeleton stuff, you know, the login and forgot password, yeah, and yeah. the database scheme and the basic stuff. I said, but honestly, that stuff's not that hard to do, especially with yeah. Rails. Yeah. I mean, you, you can replicate that in 10, 10 hours, 10 or 12 hours. And better just to start with your you own do thing. your own thing because yeah, I did a PHP with my own framework. I'm like, you know, do whatever you want. It's it's not worth using that. And I said the stuff that's really useful are is the are the static HTML pages that I created for um, our various demos that really gave you a, a sort of a sense of like what the questionnaires might look and feel like, what the dashboards and the um, would look like for the managers and the senior management and that kind of stuff. And I said. I said I would use that as a template for how this thing should probably work, at least for the MVP. Yeah. Um, you know, and then we had a talk the other night. Um, we kind of were digging into this, and uh, you know, he was like, "I'm." Tr- he was trying to figure out like what should the schema should be like. What was the 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 essence of the data model? And uh, we went through it, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, I get this. This is not going to be hard." Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, great. I'm, I'm excited because I I like the fact that it doesn't take up your your too much of your life. That's good. See, I can't. That, that, that's one of the ideal things it's because I like to be involved in things. Yeah, I have the kind of personality that I like to be involved in a lot of stuff, but I, I don't have the time to commit to just building it all. Yeah, but I can provide a good chunk of the value that I might bring in just helping people think through what the product is, how they should build it, what technologies they should use, what should be in the MVP, all that kind of stuff, and then you can have a developer who is less experienced or at least not experienced with the business side and I, and, and help them really folk hone in on what, the, what needs to happen. And then, but also I can serve as kind of a, a bridge or kind of a, um, okay, I, I, I don't know. I, kind of, I, yeah, I guess it's kind of a bit bridge between the, 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 the two founders and help them really coalesce in on what they want. And, and I, I like, I like, you know, obviously I like Lola a lot. I like Ben a lot. I'm, I was really disappointed that, um, that I wasn't going to be able to help Lola. I felt very guilty about that, mm-hmm. but I just honestly had to admit that I just didn't have the time. And, you know, I was never going to feel good about that. Yeah. But now I'm like, all oh, right, now we might have a solution <laughs> where she could get what she wants. I don't have to feel guilty. And, you know, and then actually get to see this thing come alive. So cool. we'll see. We might, yeah. So there might be some updates in the next couple months. We'll see. Cool. Um, I guess next topic. Next topic. What's up with you? Give me something. Uh, I've been monologuing for the last fifteen. All right. Um, well, we've got this. We've got this new uh, play kit in in here. I'll show. I'll just turn the camera around. This crazy stuff that. Ah, oops. Go on. That you bought, which is like um, I don't know. It's like these weird, these weird wooden Swedish style toys for kids that are to teach them how to be. You know, it's kind of like a little gym in here <laughs> made out of wood <laughs> so that's that's one thing that we've got going on jack's basically standing up okay um he's uh he's standing up and trying to walk and falling over and it's pretty scary yeah to be quite frank yeah um yep <laughs> yeah that's when the real work begins with kids is that as is, is sort of this age where they're and you, they may not be sleeping through the night, and yet they're walking around and falling down, and you have to be constantly watching. Yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah, it's rough. And, you know, and the, the, problem, the problem with it is, is like, so we're, I guess you'd call it spotting him. So we're spotting him as he's like standing up and walking yep. around, and he's wobbling like crazy. And 
we're always there to kind of catch him. So it's almost like he's happy to just let go and fall backwards. He even smiles when he's doing it. Yeah. So it's like we're there to stop him hitting his head and he's smiling and he's just doing it. Like how do, how do you teach them to actually fear gravity? That's my, that's my worry. Yeah. I mean, the pro, you know, well, the, they're going to fall. You're not going to catch them every time. And I know. Learn. I mean, that's, that's sort of the big argument with like in general with kids when parents are too uh, coddling is yeah. that you don't let them learn the hard lessons and you don't let them fall and hurt themselves. And they just, they're going to learn it. The question is when and you'd rather learn earlier because the falls are usually lower. Right. And, and I'm just using it metaphorically too. Not yeah. 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 And it's like, you know, you, when I would take my kids to the park when they were younger and, um, you know, and I wasn't, were they walking at that time? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. But how about the time when just transition between like, just yeah. standing well, to walking. Well, well, I would just, yeah, no, I understand that. So, but let me just say just in general. So there'd be certain parents that would be just, just neurotic about it, right? They're just, oh, you know, <laughs> like it's like two or three, you know, it's like, he's fine. You know, he falls down, he's fine. You know, it's like, it's wood chips. You know what I mean? Like they're going to fall. They're going to get a bump. They're oh gonna yeah. Bruise. They're going to cry, you know, I mean, but. Okay. I, 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 I think I would be the same as that. Like, you need to, yeah. I, my philosophy is like. Bum, as Bumble's bounce, you know the you know like there's a kids, there's an old uh, like what was it stop motion whatever claymation kind of thing. Um, I don't know what it's called. Back in the days, it, always with the claymation. Yeah, yeah. Always with the well, claymation. It was like it was that same one with the Burgermeister, Burgermeister right? <laughs> it's like was that the only claymation? I know. Well, there was a whole series of those Christmas specials, <laughs> and especially my life philosophy just stems from those <laughs> from those shows. No, um, well, there was one where. There was this abominable snowman. It was a Rudolph Red Nosed Reindeer, I think, was the one. And and there was this big, uh, this I can't remember what it was called the, the Bumble or the Snow something. And he he was at like this big, um, you know, whatever snow monster. And he falls off the side of a of a cliff with uh, this this kind of I don't know what his name is like a Yosemite Sam kind of guy. He goes flying over the cross, <laughs> and he comes back later, and he's and and they're like, you know. Oh my God, you're alive! And he brings in the bumble, and it was like, "Oh my God!" And he's like, "You know, bumbles bounce," you know, because he landed on the bumble, and, <laughs> and, and uh, he and he would tame the bumble or whatever. So anyway, that that's kind of how I think about the kids. Kids are pretty resilient. They're gonna bounce. They're gonna hit their head. They're gonna cry. They do this, but at the end of the day, you need them to learn those lessons because then they'll self protect a little better. Yeah, I don't but, know. I if mean, that's he, their- like, like he has no self protection at this day. I mean, like when they're just first standing. Like, for example, if he's on our bed, which is pretty high, I mean, it's like, I don't know, two foot, no, two and a half foot high, like, he would just crawl directly off it and then fall onto yeah, it. Yeah, no, you can't let that happen. on a wood, on right. a wood no, floor, right? You can't so let that happen. That sucks. Yeah. But anyway, so that's, like, a lot of my life's about that. Plus, also, we still have the sleep issues. So, every three hours, we wake up and we go through a routine of, like, getting him back to sleep. My so, God. there's that. Really? Um, I'm working on my secret project, which I'm in love with. Um, and you know all about my secret project, which is good. And you think that it's kind of cool, which is nice. And the name for it is taken in the app store. So I'm trying to work out like how to... Great name. Uh, it is a good name that you thought of. <laughs> Thanks. So I'm trying to work out how to uh, how to deal with that. I'm just putting a, a period after the name for the moment. You know. What do you mean? So like the word period. Why? Because it's taken in the app store. Someone's te- someone who's like that. The app store has this problem. It's super easy to just like oh to, to just to just not bookmark, just to just start 
with an app and then upload something to it which you never release. How long ago was it taken? taken? You, you, that information is all hidden. Oh, so you don't know. Yeah, you when know. did you first look and see if it was in the app store? Like last night. So you didn't bother like doing this six it's, months ago? It would, I mean, six months. I'm sure it would be the same anyway. I mean, but I, uh, I mean, so, but they let you have like a comma in the name or a, or a period in the name or whatever. So I just put a period in the name. And so it looks the same. It's just irritating. It looks like a little mistake. <laughs> because <laughs> there's like it's it's kind of like on the app screen and it has this little period there in the name so it's like ugh. yeah but i mean you know i i've applied for the copyright so if i get the copyright then apparently i can submit that to the app store trademark trademark yeah so i can submit that to the app store and then say okay i've got this trademarked in in the correct category so will you please now free up that and i know that works because someone did that to me mm. with with swarm got it yeah so, but I wanted to, did you see this on Hacker News? Um, basically, the Seasteading Institute. So it's... Uh, Seasteading. Seasteading. Yeah, C-S-E-A-S-T-E-A-D-I-N-G dot org. Yeah, isn't Peter Thiel involved? I don't know, but I like, what do, what do you think about the, the thesis of like creating these floating cities? Do you think that it's, I mean, uh, like, I, did, you, did you see the, the link about this? I, no, I never, this? no. So what the guy was kind of saying that, all the greatest, you know, stuff that's happened to humanity is through breakaway nations who don't have the kind of incumbent politicians stopping them from doing new and interesting things. Like, um, for example, America, right? And so they're saying that, he, he's saying that this is super important so that we can have many, many nations and create a lot of, you know, innovational thinking in the world. Okay. That's the main reason to do it. Okay. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that's overstating it quite a bit. I mean, <laughs> like a lot of amazing things have happened even in the United States long after it was founded, right? Right, right. You know, I mean, you could say everything has happened since, you know, 1900. You yeah. know, I mean, I think that's overstating it quite a bit. But, I mean, you know, I appreciate that. I think the, the older com countries get, the older that their institutions become, Sort of the more they're gamed and corrupted and ossified and 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 I think the more you know like you look at Europe compared to the U.S. and I think that's part of the reason that Europe is often less innovative and risk taking is because it's just been around the structure has been in place longer. So, so an interesting thing about the the kind of way that they're viewing it in the sea setting thing is um that each person kind of has their plot of land. So each person has their plot of land that is one kind of module module thing. that links to the rest of the island so if you don't like the government from that island you just unlink and go enjoy someone else's island with a government that you do like i like it <laughs> well you know they should they they should do is build like a uh, a an app video game for yeah. this you know because it looks a little bit like um it looks a little bit like uh, what is it um sim city or something yeah it does doesn't it so you could play like a seasteading simulation yeah so people could kind of get uh acclimated to the concept yeah right if it says oh if you like playing the game you should come for a visit honestly that is a fucking good idea i don't know why they don't mention that anywhere that is a fucking good idea like just totally make a sim city out of it and so you can really see what it's like to experience yeah well because you know 
you know, you, you you could found your own SimCity or you yeah. could join it as like a as an early adopter on this. Say like you join in, you get one of the first things. Like maybe there's reason, and so you could experiment with what it's like, and then people join in in, in the simulation, and then you could maybe have a contest, and then people, the winners, get get invited to spend like a Second weekend. Life. Then so yeah, but- you could spend like a three days, you know, three days stay. Like a vacation at the seasteading, you know, right? Wouldn't that be cool? They should do that. I mean, you know, you could you could create some PR buzz about it, but you could also just get a lot of people very acclimated to it. Because if just imagine that if you know you had been playing it and you know on and off for you know months or a year or two, you know, people get to play these things for a long time and you get really used to it, and you're like, you know what? Like, I really get it. I, would I get everything this. about this. I understand how it works. I understand how the economy works. I understand how they deal with fresh water and I understand how this and like I think I could live there I mean I've mentally been living there on my app game yeah right like I'm gonna go and spend three months there and give it a shot that is a good idea I don't know nice I mean we should probably I might just send the guy a little email about that or <laughs> just linking to this little snippet here why not um, yeah but be cool I mean um I like experimental things like this they're fun you know I mean it's it's you never know if they're gonna work because they're so new, but yeah. that's what's great. I love, you know, I just, I, I just like experiments and especially bold experiments. Like, that's the whole, you know, Elon Musk setting a colony up on Mars and this stuff is just fun. Yeah. Creating a new currency like Bitcoin, right? Yeah. You know, upsetting the, 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 the order in some way, you know, that, that allows for more innovation and creativity and, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. So what's their status? I mean, how far along are they? What's is it still just in the talk stage or it's, money raising stage? No, well, um, let's just see. Um, so they they've got contests going on about the architectural design. Um, they're trying to find the perfect material to build to build it out of. Okay, and there's some kind of version of cement that he's really interested in. The the main guy, um, what's his name? The Diamandis involved in that, the X Prize guy. I don't. It's this guy right here. I've never seen him. Scroll down a little bit, though. You had some like this. This guy is pretty good at, at speaking. Okay. Okay. I don't have. I don't. Who's see that it. guy on the right? He looks familiar. Tom Joe Quirk. Tom Woods or Joe Quirk? Okay, Tom Woods. I think I know who that is. This is the cement here. Okay. But and he in the presentation on uh, seasteading.org, the main video presentation, he kind of breaks he he puts together a good thesis and argument about why we're kind of you know in his view focusing in the wrong place like if we could if we could create these uh new cities with new governments and it, many many solutions would come out of that because he believes that the best solutions came out of breakaway breakaway governments. Uh, it's an interesting the question is uh, one thing I is like how do you get the you know like if it becomes like a hurricane or something right exactly i, I was i was thinking the same thing like how do you what, what do you do you do you have how to say it's giving all washer or it's the kind of thing that well, like apparently you have a lot of advanced warning though like you have a lot of advanced warning about <laughs> when, <laughs> what's your whole nation gonna do like oh my god <laughs> there's a category five coming at us like well, it doesn't can, matter much warning yet. i mean you're gonna well, evacuate you, the entire you go you go like you go i mean you've got propellers on it right i mean it moves oh it does yeah other thing was like so you have a movable nation. It's kind of like yeah. you can move. You can you can kind of like Waterworld. Yeah, <laughs> basically. I actually, never saw that by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, okay. Well, here's the question though. I mean, could you build it in such a way that it could survive, um, uh, like a hurricane? Like you know, you know, thing like they can just like batten down the hatches, like a dome comes over something, and like 
you know, it doesn't matter if water comes over it or whatever, it kind of washes over it. You know what I mean? What, like the dome, like an invisible force shield? <laughs> like lots of mini domes or something, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm just thinking, like... How long is well, this video? Well, no, let's not watch it. All right, but, okay. So here, here's the thing. If you were on it, wouldn't you feel better if, like, you could just press a button and this kind of, like, just kind of like in your roll your car window up, like a thing goes over and it just kind of, some Dude. kind of, it's like, it's like on um, the blast shields and uh, Star Wars or something, right? Dude, if I was on it, shields. I would never be on it. Like, so I, I was thinking the same thing. So Philip Mornay saying, like, Under the Dome. And, uh, you know, there's that, you know that show, Under the Dome? I don't know it. Yeah, it's like this force field appears uh, over a city and then they're blocked from the outside world. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, that's I think that's what Jason's saying. <laughs> and I would love that. But I would never be on this city in the first place because it sounds crazy. You're, crazy like, as a concept or crazy or scary? You're cra- just, crazy as like a, you know, like the like you say, a hurricane. No, I, no, you're I, very, it's funny. It's funny. You're, you're, you, um, <laughs> you have a certain innovative, like you're willing to take certain risks with money, but you're very cautious physically. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You're physically... Things scary cars That's scare true. you other people scary you <laughs> it's like why is that i don't what's know the, what's I, that dichotomy about what's that going i was about? i was thinking about this the other day um i was talking it through with georgie right about like why am i such a coward mm-hmm. like basically is is the thing and i think it's because it's just because of and in fact i think it's because of looking at the way that we're bringing up jack like no because this has been around as long as I've known you, this is no, I know, I know, but oh, I'm, oh you mean we or I'm, I'm lo- that's why we're having a discussion because okay. I'm looking at how we're bringing up Jack, and he is such the opposite of a coward. Like he is fearless, yeah, and but he's, I mean, he he doesn't have to be fearless. It's because we're just making everything very available for him to like right. to do. But with my parents, like there was obviously, you know, there was no parenting. Like because they were completely absent. So what I'm imagining this is this is the reason why I think that it's ended up this way. I'm like some little baby. I'm toddling around. I like fall over, right? Smack my head, and I'm like that fucking hurts. And then I'm like, I don't want to do that again, like you know. So then I try and like waddle somewhere else, and I fall over, and it's like fuck, this is shit. I don't want to do this anymore. So I think that ultimately, through just I think if you have good parents, this is my thesis anyway, and I think it could support it. You have good parents who are basically there around to help you and nurture you through that, to help you play and not keep on, uh, just, just not get scared. And there's a little bit of support about this. Um, a study that Georgie was showing me about, they put, they had two groups of mice and one, one group of mice, they didn't let play. And the other group, they just basically kept, you know, in a cage or whatever. And ultimately when faced with like dangerous situations, the group that didn't play wouldn't just go anywhere near it. I think you can probably, um, I think there's, I think you'd probably influence that for sure. You know what I mean? With extreme, like ethics, a lot of these things, I think kids are kind of who they are and it's hard to influence it unless you, you, the the parenting is extremely bad or maybe extremely involved. Like you can, at the extremes, you might be able to influence it. Right. Right. And, and in extremes, it's not just one in 10, but one in, you know, parents who are just completely absent or abusive, right? That can impact kids for right. sure. Um, but, and, and then there's also kids that are just kind of on the borderline can be influenced one way or the other. But like, I don't know. I, 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 I think nurture is a lot stronger than na- uh, nature is a lot stronger than nurture. Yeah. You know, as much as we'd like it not so to be. So you think we're just born scared? 
I some I, I'm just looking at kids that just kind of seem like they are what they are, no matter what you do. I mean, Colby's just who he is. I mean, Izzy's just who she is. Um, and we but, we try and convince because we you know you you and as a parent when you have multiple kids, you kind of you have this certain set of ethos and principles and um, I don't just ideas about how they might should be. But it kind of doesn't matter if they're if they're not into it, they disregard. Like they're they're just who they are. And right now with one kid, you and especially so early on, yeah. you're still trying to figure that out. But you get three kids and you're like, oh, <laughs> they're all completely different. It doesn't matter if I say this is what you should be interested in, or this is what you should spend your time about. This is what you should care about. They care about what they want to care about. I'm kind of fearless about doing something like going on stage yeah. in front of you know. That's what I'm saying here, it's real. You're, you have a dichotomy there, like. Yeah. A lot of people are afraid, really afraid to say record a podcast. You know, we get interview people and they're really nervous about getting their and their name mm. or having their voice recorded. And you have people really nervous and getting on stage. Obviously, a lot most yeah. people are scared about that. You, you know, you're much, you're very willing to throw thousands of dollars at some crazy idea <laughs> or something, right? Yeah, you know, you're pretty. That's you know, weird. I wouldn't say, um, I wouldn't describe you as, um, but 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 I am happy. To, I'm very happy to ski for some reason because I feel completely in control. Anyway, but anyway, yes, yeah, you just have that. I mean, but you know, that's the thing is all I guess with everyone, you know, we all have these personality traits and if in the right context, we seem like we're this kind of person and then it's completely different in other contexts, you know, and and that's why it's so hard to sit when people say I'm this way. It's like, well, in that context, (laughs) you're that way. Right. Um, So, you know, I want to ask you, um, I want to ask you a uh, question um, Uh while while we're asking about you. Um, So I want to hear the latest on the... um, the get fit, you know, don't be lazy, get after it, um, sort of new mantra you have. You're, you're really going to go start doing some new stuff. What's, you really, you really want to ask that question? I do. I really wish you didn't, but, um, okay. Um, so, well, I've been, I've been going to cats. You're still going to cats. Yeah. Right. I've been going there three times a week. And you went there and she said you had a frozen shoulder. Yeah. And it still bloody hurts. And honestly, I feel like it's worse from going there. Like mm-hmm. whether or not that's, I mean, it definitely hurts a crap right. load more than when I first started going. Um, so there's that. Um, and she said that, the, it was, you know what, but the main thing I told, I think I told you the other day, like I measured my blood sugars cause I've been like being an ostrich about it. Yeah. And it went and off the charts. It right? was like, like was it three, three, nine, seven, almost like, 400. Yeah. Which is it's supposed to, be I don't know 90. much about diabetes, but that sounds it's supposed good. to be 90, 90. So wow. I've, just been really eating low carb stuff and I've got it down. It's now, I've halved those numbers basically. You're about 200 now? Yeah. Okay. 200, um, between 190 and 200. Um, every morning, you know, you, you, you measure your blood glucose when you wake up every morning, okay. right? So that you want to know what your fasting is. So my fasting is about 190. Okay. And uh, it kind of hovers around there as well. But I think that I can get it lower than that. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm just mainly focused on that food thing right now. I don't want to get too many. I'm doing doing cats, but I, I, the thing about the cats, the, the going to the cats gym, it's very um, functional. It doesn't feel like it's gonna do make me lose weight or something like that. Like they just make you walk around with weights and and do different things, and it's just trying to get your body back in motion. Yeah, you know. Well, the, well, that's what you're telling me. You want you want to yeah, focus on at least yeah. last time we talked. You were more interested yeah. in fixing. I feel like I feel like I might be ready to start doing a, a gym now you know after really? that um just this shoulder bloody hell the shoulder really hurts i don't know what the hell's going on with that how long has that bothered you 
four to six months, like a, a long time now. What started it? Just like a crick in the neck at, at night. Oh, really? Yeah. It wasn't like you injured it doing no, something? No, no. It's like a crick. It was a crick at the neck for like a while, and then it stopped being a crick in the neck, and then it turned into this really bad shoulder. Because what you, what you said when you, when, when you went to the, when the therapist at Katz, um, when, she, when she said, I think you might have frozen shoulder, when she was yeah. working on your shoulder, and you went home and did a little research on it, and, you, and it basically said that that is often a side effect of You've got five times diabetes. more chance of frozen, frozen shoulder through diabetes. And, and the reason is, is because the blood sugar makes your soft tissues uh, very uh, stiff. So I'm just, I'm just all about getting rid of blood sugar, because I feel like if I can get the blood sugar down to the maybe 120s, then I can start to repair. You know, and what will I mean? it repair? It should repair. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it should be able to. So it's it's just going to be things like deep tissue massage. I mean, I just want to try and get physically. And the reason why I want to do it is because I want to play with the kid, like you know, get down on the ground, play with him, like kneel, move around. You, anyway, so that's kind of where I'm at. Well, that's good though. I mean, I'm I'm glad to hear that. I don't know why you want yeah. to talk about that. It was good. I mean, that's well. How, how's the but the food? Because I'm, I'm a laughing stock. That's the reason why I don't want to talk about it. You know, well, we <laughs> long, that ship has sailed a long time ago. It's everybody knows that you've struggled with this stuff. That's just we're all part of the struggle, right? Like you're all like, "Go, Justin, come on, you can do it." You know. <laughs> um, so the question, the, the the one follow up I have though for it is, um, you um, you were doing the low carb stuff. Last time I talked to you was like you were like three days in. Have you been able to maintain it pretty well? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Really? So you think this will be something you'll be able to ma- do a good? You'll be able to stick to? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm. I'm gonna stick. I like. And the reason why I can, I think I can stick to the low carb this time, is because I truly believe that I can't actually start get get actually started, actually get started in the full healing until I get my sugars down. This is the blocker. So, so basically, I've got to stay. I've got to stick with this just to get to the stage one. Yeah. Right. So that's why I think I can do it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's uh, that's good news. So I went on a similar topic. I'll get you off the hot seat. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've had uh, my operation superhero uh, was going on for about six months. And then I strained my adductor attachment, which is a l- l- tendon in my uh, left, you know, where groin muscle attaches to mm-hmm. your hip, I guess, a bone or whatever, whatever the bone. Uh, yeah. And um, I was doing split squats with two 45-pound dumbbells and going too deep and was already kind of tight, and I was doing still going to keep going. And oh yeah, I know the split squats. Yeah, you know my biggest my biggest problem sometimes is that I go too hard. Yeah, and it's like the old saying is anything that's worth doing is worth overdoing. <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of my <laughs> unstated mantra, I guess. You know, once I'm in, I mean, I am in. I go hard, and the problem is though overdoing there's a reason why it's called overdoing is because you are doing more than you should and when you do more than you should physically either at one time either too much volume or too fast or too much weight or you don't give your body enough time to recover you injure yourself sometimes the injuries are light you pull a muscle you're out for a few weeks like okay i guess a little too hard but sometimes it's it's not sometimes you can really hurt yourself you can pull back you can hurt your back and you can be out and it can stay with you for years yeah um, and the adductor attachment is like one of those things. So I had gone to see uh, a couple of different physical therapists, essentially, and they and they were just sort of like, they don't really have a lot to say, just stay off it, you know, kind of thing. And the second one I saw, he said, well, it was a cat's actually. And he's like, well, you can try and do some light exercise. This is recently? 
about a month because I stayed up for like five months and there's nothing really happened. Jeez. And was that Kev? Who was it? Was that Kevin? No, I don't remember oh. the guy's name. Okay. Yeah. Young, he was a young kid. He was probably like 20s. All right. Mid 20s and uh, the 20s. But uh, so um, I finally went and saw this old, this guy I used to go to. Uh, um, he's a chiropractor, soft tissue guy. In Pasadena. Uh, no, he's over in uh, the 101 off uh, Cold Water over in sort yeah. of, um, near Sherman Oaks. He's a great guy. And he did, he's, he would always work magic whenever I'd get hurt. And. And I, I hadn't been going to him because it was just so damn far. You know, yeah. like you're basically going to, but going over there on the appointment drive back, I mean, that's like two hours. This was day. important enough to get you out of Pasadena. I'm just like, I got to, I got to do something. <laughs> and so I went and I went to see him and I, and actually the night before I had talked, we not, my wife and I were at to dinner with a couple and the, and the guy was a, was a physical therapist. And when I, when he said that, I'm like, oh, let me ask you a question. So I, I told him about the adductor problem. He's like, you know, I had the same problem and it wouldn't get better. And then my, he said, I think he said it was his brother-in-law who was a chiropractor, um, took a look at, look at it and he kind of popped his leg out of joint. He said, it could be a, and he said, you know, he popped it out of joint. It was just a little, um, jammed in there in the, in the socket, the hip socket. And then it started to heal after that. And I was like, huh, all right, well, I'll tell, I'm going to have an appointment tomorrow with G. I'll tell him that. So I went and I told him that. And he's asking a bunch of questions and he's like, yeah, you're doing jump squats and stuff. So it's not, would not be surprising if it was jammed, hmm. if that was part of the problem. And so he went over there and he kind of popped, but I was like, yeah, you're pretty, your leg was kind of jammed in there. But he's like, he also said, look, don't do, you know, these little exercise. I said, I was doing like sets of 15. I was trying, that was trying my new active yeah. approach. He's like, don't do that. He's like, in fact, don't even cross your legs. Be wow. careful how you turn over in bed. Like anything you do to a- aggravate it inflames it. Anything, anything, the slightest pain, your body's saying, don't do that. Huh. And the same thing, I, I did essentially hurt my elbow the same way, doing too much weight. And, uh, it's, you know, um, and it's been hurt the same time. They basically got hurt within a few days of each other. Yeah. And so he, but it's really hard to like not do things that don't aggravate your elbow. You're, when, especially when right-handed, it's my right elbow. <laughs> you know everything you're doing every time you're doing this motion or grabbing something has a has a has a you know can possibly strain it so yeah but anyway it's like just you know it's my nature to kind of cross my legs sometimes or push it, and then anything doing that aggravates it so now i'm like on this alert like and he's like and i said well how long is this going to take to to get better do you think and he's like well you know um I'm like, I'm like eight weeks or something. He's like, oh, probably not nearly that long if you, if you, you know, if you follow the advice. I'm like, the- oh, okay, well, I'm going to follow your advice then because I am, yeah, I'm desperate to get back training, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, so that that's kind of good news. I'm optimistic. Yeah, that's great. He, G's like got the magic touch. He's he's he's. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but he just maybe he could help my shoulder. Might. Yeah, I mean, um, if you want to. Uh, Maybe sometime if I go over there, if you wanted to piggy pack and get an appointment after my we drive over there. All right, yeah. Um, I have a piggy, I have a um, appointment this Friday, for instance. If okay. You wanted to go. Perfect. You'd be yeah. perfectly. Uh, you're welcome. I've I've I can't tell you how many people I've um, referred to him over the years, friends of my soccer team and stuff. Um, and so yeah, they've always been like, yeah, he's he's amazing. So um, yeah, yeah. So uh, just to just to finish up the whole Operation Superhero conversation. Oh, yeah. I don't think I told you this, but um, a buddy of mine, uh, Lexi, he's the CTO or something at uh, Mighty Hive, which is a company. Yeah, well, I, you've done. spoken about that. Yeah, I just yeah. worked for them a while ago, and uh, I'm friends with their C- the CEO, Pete, and 
And so Alexi and I got to be good buddies. He, um, so I don't know what it was a few months ago. For, for, he, he all of a sudden decided that he wanted to start seeing if he could dunk again. Oh, he, he as lost well. a bunch of weight. Did he about that? So you did. You told me about like a, a, a whole crew of, of people. Like yeah, yeah. So I um so all these guys. So not only did he want to start training to dunk because he could when he's high school. He's a basketball player. Yeah. So after he lost a bunch of weight, he 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 started. He got that wild hair as well. And um, Pete, you know, what you call it? A wild hair. A wild hair. A wild. You hair. know, when you get a wild hair, that's like you just want to go off and do some <laughs> crazy thing all right. for no reason. Um. So. And then, of course, Pete was like, well, you got to talk to Jason because he won't shut up about it. So, you know, I we I kind of told him what I had thought I'd figured out about it. Yeah. And so we got together to Pete and, 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 and Lexi and I got together for breakfast a couple months ago. And I was like, well, give me an update. How are you guys doing? And he's like, well, I think we're doing a lot of squats. And, uh, you know, I think we've you know made a little bit of progress. But, um, you know. And I was like, well, are you doing, you know, are you doing any kind of jump squats or power cleans? Are you doing anything for the power stuff? He's like, no, not so much. Yeah. And so I said, well, um, and I said, what kind of squats are you doing? And, and, and I said, all right, here, you need to do these power exercises to bridge the gap between strength and actual funk, sort of functional yeah. explosiveness, explosiveness. And so um, it's called, um, there's limit strength, which is your actual, how much you can actually much weight you can push and there's like what they call rate of force uh, d- uh development or something or deployment i can't remember but it's it basically the, the rate which you can make it push make push that much weight yeah and uh you do power exercises to, 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 to sort of stimulate that to improve that and so i i said all right well here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna write you i'm gonna e- email and i'm explain the whole protocol my my suggested protocol what worked for me because i had about eight inches and like six weeks or something like that. Right. So he's like, okay. And so I texted him or I hit him on a Google uh, chat or whatever. And I'm like, so what's the latest? And he's like, yeah, he's like, I hurt myself. I got some fluid on my knee. So I'm kind of out temporarily. He's like, but the other two guys, one hit in eight weeks, it was eight or six weeks. One guy had improved at six inches mm-hmm. and one four inches on his vertical. Nice. I'm like, there you go. So it's like the, the formula works. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that was pretty cool. Um, it's neat when you figure out like that, something that just seems like it shouldn't be possible is possible and it's not just you know one person can do it there's yeah. sort of a formula that will work it's it's pretty it's pretty neat yeah so, that's very cool that was cool um so you should you should like start a a group a group the dunkers yeah well there are um there are a number of people on the web who um who uh sell training programs vertical oh, yeah. training programs and these guys but you didn't Join any of those training programs? You know, I bought one of them. I researched a bunch of them, and I bought one of them, and it didn't work so well for me. Oh, interesting. And okay. I, I, the guy, the guy is a strength conditioning coach and everything. I mean, he, he clearly was legit, and the and the training program was seemed backed up by by science, and hmm. uh, but it just didn't work for me. And everybody's body's a little different. And yeah. I, 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 and I noticed because before I started doing that program, I was doing my own thing and I had made progress. I had added a few inches out of my vertical. Just you're doing your own thing based on your research. Yeah. So the research I've, I had done and then, and then I started doing his and I was like, his was like lighter weights, more reps. Oh, it just didn't okay. work for me. And yeah. I, I've known my body. Um, I mean, I was hopeful that it worked. I, I followed it, you know, to the t- to the letter. You'd be less likely to have, have hurt yourself, I guess. Well, True. I mean, it wasn't so much heavier weights, but it was like lower reps. You know, I mean, yeah. you, you can you can avoid injury by doing heavier weights, but you just don't go to failure. That was my problem. Anyway, um, but the point is, though, is 
I tried one, did like, I don't know, 10 weeks of it or something. And there was like, I actually made no progress at all. Even after I took like a week or two off to recover, still nothing. I was like, all right, screw this. I'm going to go back doing what I was doing, which I think will work. And sure enough, it was like, just it worked, you know, and uh, it's not that complicated. You know, it really yeah. isn't that complicated. There's like a few key things and I like it'll probably work. Um, and it worked for me and it worked for these other guys anyway. So. So I got an email from a, uh, a listener. Um, yeah. Young Jen is his name. Okay. And he was he was in town for a uh, conference and wanted to know if I wanted to get there for lunch. And I was like, yeah, sure. So uh, we got together on, uh, on Friday and it was funny because young Jen, I was like, oh, okay, he probably doesn't speak English very well because he doesn't have an American first name. Usually yeah. people who are from another country, right? especially if it's like an Asian country where the, where the language is completely different, they'll, you know, hey, my name is yeah. Dave, you know, or whatever. And uh, when they don't, it, it often means that they're, I don't know, at least my experience is a much higher probability that they don't speak English very well. And I'm like, oh, this might be kind of a difficult lunch conversation. Um, but it turns out he was actually an alum of University of Chicago, fellow <laughs> alum, right? So nice. we had a lot in common. Um, he was a physics major, um, and uh, well, I was a math major, so not pretty closely. Yeah, really close. Um, and he was a little after me. He graduated in '98. I graduated '93. But um, so we went to lunch. Great guy. So we had this. We ate lunch. We had a three-hour lunch <laughs> from twelve thirty to three thirty. And then I was like, "Oh crap! I probably got to take it," you know, because I parked, you know, in the normal. Where'd you Shopping go? center parking. I went to Wahoo's. Nice. Okay, yeah. So then I'm, um, I'm like, oh, I probably gotta take it, but luckily I didn't. So then I said, all right. So we went back to my place, and uh, I said, let's just park my car. I said, hey, what I'll do is, is like, let's just do like a walking tour of Pasadena. <laughs> and so we, you you're know, selling Pasadena again. You can't help yourself. I know. Well, you know, I well, what, well, he was really bummed that he missed the the Texing Summit. Oh, okay. I said, well, I'll tell you what. Let's walk. You've got your own personal Texing Summit with. That's Jason. right. So, so. We walked up past Paseo and we walked on. I said, I'll tell you, I'll show you where I, you know, and I said, right, I'll take a little walking tour. I was like, here's where I initially lived. My my apartment was literally at the end of the street. So if you took the 110 North, you know, which is a major highway in Pasadena, it literally becomes a regular street, a real yeah, parkway for yeah. about a mile. And then it dead ends into this um, apartment complex. And it literally, your car will be, if you, if you stop driving before you hit a wall, you'd be under my um, balcony. I mean, how strange is that, right? Yeah. So I would tell people who, when they'd be flying out uh, to LA to to visit, and they'd be like, yeah, you know, how do I get there? And I'd say, take the 105 East to the 110 North and drive until you can't stop, and you'll be a little late, and then just honk your horn, and and I'll be there. Yeah. And then inevitably, they'd call me like, oh, I took the 710, I'm in Alhambra. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, don't get creative, just drive straight. <laughs> and they would see signs for Pasadena and go on all these random directions. Anyway, so we went by there, and, you know, I kind of... You know, I showed him my office where Phil and I first, uh, our first startup there on Holly Street. And, uh, and uh, it was one of these days, it was just like perfect day. You know, on Friday, the sun came out after that, for a day of rain. And we're sitting out there and um, there was this great cafe that was right across, it's now right across the street uh, from our old office. And we're just sitting out there. Um, What's it called? God, I don't know, but I tell you, it was the best damn mocha I've had. In- Is that Intelligentsia? No. Okay. I don't think so. 
It was fantastic. So we were just sitting out there until they made us leave, till they closed. And then we're like, all right. <laughs> and what you spent that you spent like the entire from lunch till the end of the day with this guy. And then some. So here, so we so three thirty, <laughs> and then we were there until I think they kicked us out at like five. So we were probably there for like an hour, hour and fifteen minutes, just out nice. there brainstorming startup ideas. And we have we had a couple good ones. And um, then uh, he, he's a very clever guy. He's very uh, awesome. He's funny and smart and not like clever, sort of like, you know, he's I mean, physics, you know, he had like a PhD in physics. I mean, he's obviously smart, but I mean, he's just um, business, came up with good names. I mean, he was good. Right. So we were having a little good time just talking through all that. And then um, they were like, oh, we got, you got to leave. <laughs> you know, we were closing down. We're like, oh, okay. So we, so then we, I said, I right, tell you what, here's what I'll do. Let's walk through Old Town and I'll take you by all the places and things in somewhere where we ate. Yeah, I'm just gonna take you on a. He's <laughs> like, all right, sounds good. Because we had to kill time, might as well just talk, right? <laughs> so we we walked down, we walked down through the you know that courtyard and you know where the bistro was and um where that sushi restaurant that we ate at and went up by went to the Tesla place and I told him the Tesla story with with Ben Reyes, yeah, you know, and I told the Tesla people there they were that was funny and um. Yeah, we just went over there, and then we oh, and then we went and had um. Then we said we got to sit down again, and so we went and sat down at uh, Pankotanan, your favorite little place. Oh, I love that place, yeah. Until they kicked us out at six, so then we got kicked out of there. And I walked, <laughs> we were all like a Kabuki. What the and hell? I, and I go Kabuki, and I'm like, and that's where I came up with the idea for Drip for Rob's company. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting right there. So and, uh, it's like everything like that. That's awesome. Yeah, and um. Oh, that's Philip Bonnet. He's hey, on on the Hangout. Nice. Hey. And so um. We, um, I, you know, we just walked through every, all the, all the places and all past the, all the restaurants and the equator. Remember we ate there and, um, then we, uh, went and we just went and had dinner for like, for, I don't know, like a three hour dinner at Tokyo Waku and, uh, bloody hell. And then I think so I dropped him off at the train station at like 11 PM. So, so where, where, where did he come from? Chicago. Oh, okay, great. So he, but did, did he come specifically to see you? No, uh, no, no, no. He'd been here for a conference all week. That's, uh, that's awesome. it was an open source conference. So he, he does like a, a, a consulting firm that specializes in open source software and Drupal, I think is one of his main nice. focuses. And, um, and so, uh, so yeah, I think he had some time at the beginning of the week or the end of the week. And he said, and so I said, come on Friday. That's great. And so we just, um, basically I blew off the whole rest of the day. I was, I was like, well, <laughs> You know, I told Sandy when we stopped at home. Oh, I, t- I we stopped at home. You know, my house, and I introduced him to Sandy and the kids. And then, uh, and Sandy's like, "So what? Are you going to the gym?" I said, yeah, "Yeah, we're gonna walk around Old Town. I'm gonna come back to the gym." But then, of course, that never happened. I just blew off the whole day. And I'm like, "All right, sweetheart, you guys are on their own for pizza. We're gonna go get sushi." And she's like, All right. Well, then she's like, "You have the math, the LA Math Cup with the kids tomorrow morning. Don't stay out too late because you got to be there registration eight thirty morning." I'm like, "Oh." Well, it's safe. she's safe with you because you don't drink, right? So that's all fine. You'll just be tired. Worst case I'd be scenario. tired, I guess. But yeah, I don't drink, so that's not a big deal. But that was funny. So <laughs> we had it was like a one. It was a it was a two man texting summit. <laughs> <laughs> I said, imagine this, but like for three days, and there's like thirteen or fourteen people said it too. Yeah, and uh, and it was it was just like that. I mean, we just it was you know because he. He knew everything about me, effectively, right? Yeah. I said, We're, I'm at a bit of a disadvantage here. <laughs> I said, but, uh, you know, but the fact that he went to UFC and major physics and stuff, like, I had a pretty good sense of what his background was. And then, you know, we, of course, we talked through all of it. But, uh, yeah, that was fun. Nice. So, so you, took, to- you took my, my, like, I have my Justin fan who came over. 
Well, and, I asked and, them and, that. And had one lunch and you took my Justin fan and you doubled it and then tripled it and then multiplied it by 10 and said, this is my Jason fan. I'm going to spend the whole day with him. <laughs> this is how you hang out with a fan. When I host a fan, you don't just go get lunch. You spend the whole damn day. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, well, it was uh, it was just fun, you know. Um, but, you know, it did. It got me more excited about the idea of doing another summit. Oh, great. Okay. And because, you know, I because as we're talking through it, I'm like, that was really, really fun. Well, and we had a great, as I'm sort of talking through it, so yeah, we went from this restaurant, restaurant, and we just, it was this sort of day of debauchery. I mean, it's just like, would you be like a French aristocrats in the <laughs> 1800s where spent their day just going from like one salon to another or something like that? I mean, yeah. I don't really, it was, yeah. So we, we, I think we should probably think about doing that again. Okay. Maybe, great. maybe doing, you know, I guess it's already May, so we can do another one in maybe September again. Yeah. Maybe that was a good time of year. Yeah. It was perfect. Um, But that was a, that's a blast. So, uh, young Jin was, um, was cool guy. So I'm hoping we'll, uh, I'm hoping we'll, um, you know, we'll stay in touch and Harry Winslow joined at the hangout. Right. The hangout's not a bad idea, actually. Because how, how are they asking? Anybody ask any questions while, while I was gone? Um, n- not really. We, we the, the main thing that came from the time that you were away was to start a hangout. Um, Philip, are you, do you have a microphone that you could say something? Oh, there he is. Okay. Hi, Philip. How are you doing? Good. <laughs> oh, okay. No worries. No worries. Um, yeah. So, I'll, I'll, you want to go to the next thing? Yeah, do. So, um, the next morning, of course, is the LA Math Cup. Oh, yeah. So, let's, let's hear about this. So, I the, the, the LA Math Cup is is intense. Um, so, obviously, that's all of Los Angeles. And Los Angeles, as everyone knows, is a massive city. I mean, how many people live here? What, 10 million, 12 million? I don't a know. lot. A lot. And I think it probably covered Orange County as well. So, you talk about the type of, the, the caliber kids that were coming to this. I mean, it was all business. I mean, these are the kind of kids who have personal tutors for this kind of stuff. And they're just, this is what they do. And whereas the math field day competition we're in, that's like amateur you know, I mean, it's a right. competitive, but it's amateur, right? You, you teams practice for a few months. Remind us how you did in the field day. You came joint first. Uh, no, we won out of 60 teams. We, we got second and third, second but our medal count was exactly equal to first place. All three teams were uh, two silvers and a gold. Right. Um, okay. Which is so, I don't know. Oh, Can I just interject with go a ahead. story about this? Yeah, go ahead. So I'm, so I got an Uber, right? Okay. And uh, I, did, I wanted to, just tell this to the listeners because this is a really funny why, story. Why don't you flip the camera then okay. and tell the story? So, um, <laughs> hang on. I wish, I wish there was a button. It's really irritating that you have to click it twice like that. Yeah. So I, I, I was dry. I got a, an Uber to my, to Cats, uh, the gym. Anyway, I was picked up by this lady and I was saying, oh yeah, I was just talking to her about Uber and I was saying, you know, my buddy, my buddy built this. Like he built kind of the first version of it. And she's, she says, is he like a Nordic looking blonde guy with like a completely Nordic looking blonde white family? And I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, my kid, my kid goes to the same school as his. And uh, yeah, doesn't that guy like run the math team or something like that? <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so that was funny. It's just like, uh, you're, you're famous. You're, <laughs> people know about yes. you. You and the white family. You and the well, white I, blonde family. Ooh. You know, we, we, I mean, I guess we stick out. 
right? There's right. five blonde people walking down the street together. We, you know, our kids are kind of loud, so we're not, uh, we're not inconspicuous. <laughs> question about that. But you know how, like, you go somewhere and it's just like, I don't know, like, you, you just see them all the time. They, sometimes they just stick out. You know? She said. She said. My. She said. I, I said. Is your kid on the math in 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 him math class with him? And she said. No. 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 My kid is nowhere near that level. So <laughs> anyway, that's that's the that's funny. There. Yeah. Um. Oh, cool. Uh. <laughs> uh. So yeah. But I have had a lot of people come up. They they definitely we definitely stick out because of you know when you're as blonde as our family as people are like whoa kind of like <laughs> blinding and <laughs> <laughs> all five of you that's wow um. <laughs> So, um, so LA Math Cup, you know, I didn't really prepare the team for this one. Uh, we were so busy. I'm trying to cover some, and I'll get into this in a minute, get some stuff covered for the end of the year that I want to get done. And I just didn't really want to spend a bunch of time practicing for one event, but I'm like, let's just go and enter it just for the hell of it. You know, I just think it's good practice. Yeah. So about half the kids, uh, six of our 12 kids showed up. Uh, I registered and did it. And, um, so they took was two 30 minute tests and everybody team based or individual based? individual. I see. Yeah. Individual. Um, it's funny though. Like, you know, like can you go to some in LA, you go to soccer, you know, these really competitive soccer um, tournaments. It's like mostly Hispanic, you know? Yeah. And you know, cause everything has sort of as ethnic, you know, as a, as a demographic you go there, like it was almost all Asian with a few Indian and us. <laughs> you, well, we're like, we're like one Asian, one half Asian, few white, and one and two Mex and one Mexican. You know, like right. we're totally. But it was like you like you're like, but that made you go, oh, this is serious. Yeah. You know, when it's all Asian in the math, Ellie Gath Cup, you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, this is all business. Um, so um, we, we they did the whole they did the two thirty minute sessions, and we had to wait around for a while for them to tell for them to tell the results, and um, we had one kid make the finals. Nicole made the finals and which is great because none of our kids made the finals last year. Mm. Um, and so she made it, which is funny because is Nicole, I, was Nicole the one who was in, she had the little one who was in the catalyst. No, it's Natalie. Oh, Natalie. Okay. No. Nicole was the only one. Who made, uh, yeah. So, so Nicole made it and, um, and it was knockout. So, you know, they would, they would ask a question and I remember the one, I can't remember the first one, but the second one that she was asked was, or the kids were asked, and they had two minutes to answer this. This is a four-digit number that the hundreds digit is three times the tens digit. They the all four numbers add up to twenty-seven, and it's odd. What number is it? You have two minutes, and um, so they're you know they're working furiously at their at it, and uh, they get up there, and she gets knocked out. Oh. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, well, what happened? And she goes, she's like, had it. I just didn't, I was writing it down. They made me stop writing. And I'm like, did you have the right now answer? She's like, yeah. She's like, yeah, I had the right answer. I can't remember, it was like eight, nine, three, seven or something. Yeah. And uh, I said, um, I'm like, and I'm like, oh, it's too bad because if you had made it, if any kids who had made that question automatically uh, made it, qualified for the state finals. Jeez. So been California. And she just kind of shrugged. I was like, smile. <laughs> walk off. It is walk off. <laughs> Riley's dad, Dustin, and I look at each other. We're just like, oh, it's so painful. <laughs> we're just like, I can't believe it was that close. You'd just like written down the seven. She would have been in the state. Even if they could stop and she wrote a seven, they probably wouldn't have said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's just a, she's a rule follower. And yeah, she's she just follows like, the rules. And she's just so well adjusted. She's like, oh, 
that's fine. <laughs> time for lunch. You know, she's just moving on her day. That's nice. And Dustin and I are just like, oh my God. Like, I, I think both of us the rest of the day were just in pain from that. That's like, so it was funny. So awful. But, uh, you know, she just went about her day. She's totally could totally have, cool could have done it. Totally cool with it. Um, that's great about kids. I mean, they're not as competitive as the as the adults. Yeah, you know, it's really funny. So that so so Colby had to leave her. I had to go out and find. I go, did Colby make the finals? And she looked up. She said, Oh, unfortunately, no. I'm like, okay. And I call it Sandy. It was like his All Star baseball playoff. Oh no, All Star his baseball playoff game. Like, he has to be there in like a half hour. So yeah. she had to swing by, and I had to send him out. And she had he had run off to his game, and uh, so then after she got knocked out, everything you know, everybody took off, and I went over to this baseball game. So they were in the. It was the fifth inning. There's these games, these little league games go like six innings. He's in the fifth inning, and apparently our pitcher pitched one he maximum pitches. He he picks the ma- pitch the maximum pitches he was allowed to pick, and then he caught. They they claim that he played catcher, and he caught one ball too many because I guess you the combination of catching and pitching. Right, right, yeah. And but our guys claim that he never he just warmed up the pitcher. He never caught any. Yeah. So the the parents pushed the coach to protest. And they went and there was this big protest and uh, the guy in the nuts was like, I don't know, this is chaos. <laughs> you know, what's going on? There's, there's teams are leaving the field, they're buying the field, there's conferences, there's phone calls, league officials are there. Oh, this yeah. is the parents getting yeah. too. Oh, yeah, the yeah. parents are getting so into it. We're just like, what the hell is going on? You know, and and, and uh, you know, the kids don't, you know, they, I don't think they really cared. And, um, and then and the, the officials leave the field yeah, and they refused to come back, and then but then they called oh. the 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 board president and the uh, the board got together, and the board says no, they have to finish out the game. You're not allowed to forfeit the game. But the officials refused to come back. They're literally standing up next to their cars, and we have our you know the coach up there <laughs> trying to get Tyson to come back, and they just refused. So the game couldn't didn't continue. No, it had to start from the fifth inning this morning at eight a.m. this morning. Bloody hell! So all you know, we get there, you know. So I mean, we end up winning. I mean, we were the first place team, so it was. I mean, it was not a really much of a chance that they were going to win anyway, but all the parents are like, are you really going to do this, like, ridiculous technicality? You're going to try and call the game? And so, but they did. The parents, but it's funny. Afterward, all the kids are all playing together on the playground. Yeah, they don't care. They're all friends. I mean, half of them yeah. playing other, their soccer teams together. Yeah, yeah. Well, they don't, whatever, you know, and the parents. That's hilarious. Get all into it. And that, that's the problem is adults take things way too seriously. The kids, it should take lessons with the kids. It's like, hey, man, it's just all about fun <laughs> you know fun and some exercise that's you know? funny that's good so um yeah oh so let me tell you a little get update on the math team yeah so this on. is crazy so the kids particularly one girl kept saying when are you going to teach us calculus and i don't know how they it's how she even heard of it maybe i because i they had asked me like, "Well, what? How high does it go, or how high does math go?" That kind of thing. And I said, "Well, oh, high like, school, oh, I get it. So, we're, yeah, exactly. What are we going to learn?" Or I said, "Well, you know, I said we we're doing algebra two, and then there's pre-calculus, and there's calculus. What's calculus?" I said, "Well, that's your college math, and it's sort of the math of of change. Um, whereas um, uh, algebra is like the math of sort of like related quantities." Um, and they're like, oh, you know, and trigonometry is the math of triangles, that kind of stuff. And so they're like, and I said, but you don't get that in college. I said, if you're a year ahead, if you're honors, you get that your senior year. I said, but that's really college math. And this is like, well, and then they're like, well, we're going to learn calculus. <laughs> Particularly this one girl, Mia. What are we going to learn calculus? Like this, what, nine year old girl? So. And 10 year old girl. And I'm like, all right, you want calculus? I'll give you some calculus. <laughs> we're doing calculus. So um, uh, about two weeks ago, I just, it like 
calculus, there's two parts. There's the derivatives and integrals. Derivatives are the slope of the, the rate of change, and we can measure that by the slope of the tangent line at any point. The integral is, you can look at it as the area under the curve, um, or, we can, uh, or we can talk about it as a, a, um, an accumulation function, if you have a rate of change function. And okay. so then I start teaching them how to calculate derivatives, how to calculate integrals, um, you know, various rules, and now they're doing word problems. You know, I'll be like... Was it easy for them? I mean... Well, at first, they're like, well, here's what they always do to me. This doesn't make any sense. This is too hard. And like, oh, this is easy. I mean, I'm just like, I, we have to go through this little ritual. Every oh, time. so you say, no, it's easy. They say, it's too hard. You say, no, it's easy. Yeah, I'll, I'll be like, guys, just, you know, well, it's not everybody. It's like two or three kids. Like, I don't understand. This is confusing, you know. And then, and then I'll be like, just listen. Let me just go through an example. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, it's just... <laughs> they just have to go through that cycle. It's just yeah. what we do. It's just the ritual, you know? And then, then they're like, this is easy. This is easy. We're bored you know, kind of thing. You know, that's essentially the message they send. And I'm like, all right, how about this? You know? And so, but it was pretty impressive. You know, I always be like, okay, so let's say that I have, let's say a rocket takes off with the equation for velocity of three X cubed minus eight, a three T cubed minus eight T. How many uh, meters per second? How many meters does a rocket travel in the first 10 seconds? And it's like, well, that's going to be a definite integral integrated from 0 to 10 of that. And like, da, 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 da. No problem. And I was doing all these different things. Like, say, they have a bank account. A hacker banks, it hacks into it. He's loot. <laughs> rate of loss in my bank account is, you know, some polynomial where we're representing, you know, the, the amount of dollars per day. How much, how many money, how much money do I lose between the third and fifth day? Do, you, do, do you prefer teaching kids? Or would you prefer teaching adults that same stuff? I don't know. Or teenagers? I don't really know. I've never taught teenagers. Um, I like teaching these kids. You re you really seem to get a kick out of teaching. I just wonder if there's like if if your career shouldn't be, I don't know, somehow like you should do more of that. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I mean, you know, I I think one class doing what I'm doing is enough, and I like yeah. to stick through these with these kids. Yeah. But it's it's like this interesting experiment. It's like, can you teach advanced math to kids? And do they understand it? Do they understand it intuitively? Does do, do they can they do word problems? Do they understand what an integral is? Do they understand what a derivative is? Do they understand? You know, not only can they do these calculations, but can they picture them in their mind? And I'm like, look at them, like hell yeah, they can. I mean, I, yeah. we were just doing you know tons of word problems, and they could translate it into derivatives and integrals and figure them out and get the answer and be like, yeah. And uh, that's awesome. And I'm like, okay. I mean, this is it, so that's super fun, but. And then I'm hopefully going to have them for, or most of them, I'm going to lose a few, you know, one kid's going, moving, his family's moving back to Japan. One girl uh, is uh, the girl who I said wanted to learn calculus is going to a private school next year, unfortunately. Oh, okay. For us. Um, so I'm losing. Was that the person that you went to go and try and convince? Oh, so it, oh, in the, the cafe. Actually, on Thursday night, um, I and Sandy and I now went, to, went out to dinner with Nicole's parents because Nicole's parents had been on the fence about whether to send her to this other school, which is like attached to a high school. And I was like, you know, I, I, I said, can we just take you out to dinner? Let me just sort of explain what the plan is. I'm not sure you guys really have a clear picture because they'd ask me like, well, what is your plan? Yeah. And what is, I'm like, okay. So one of the things I did is I went and I researched the schools and I showed the, um, the and I collected all the statistics and I created like a, you know, chart and everything and it showed the, the 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 api scores which is essentially like the the performance 
statistics and like how the kids do on the test. It's like these schools are significantly worse than our school. And I'm like, why are you even going to a worse school? You think you're going to a better school for I mean, why? I mean, what problem? Yeah, and then yeah. and the problem is that there was this one mom who really drank the Kool-Aid on one school and, and looked at these school rankings and was like, oh, we kind of go to Marshall, da, da, da. And then, and then when, I did, when I uncovered the, the, the reasoning for it, this one school marshal, the, the, professor, the, the principal had learned how to game the system. He knew he could get a higher school ranking if he had, the kid, if he had more kids taking AP tests. AP is for advanced placement. So if you get a high enough score on it, you get college credit. Well, it turns out the average kid at Marshall takes uh, 5.5 AP, AP tests. The average the number that they pass is 1.6. Ridiculous. That's not good. You go to La Cunada, the average number of kids takes four AP classes, passes 3.3. <laughs> so it's just it's just a way to game it. Yeah. But then you looked at their API scores, they had they have crap scores like 724, which is like barely above basic, not even to proficient. And so I'm just like, look, you shouldn't go to Blair or Marshall because you think it's a better academic because it is worse because ours is 824. They're worse middle schools. Did you tell that to all of the people? I haven't told them. Some people, they've just already made the decision and I don't want to like, you know, once people have like, they've decided. Yeah. It's like, all I'm going to do is like, make them angry. Them. Yeah. Okay. You know, because they could become emotionally vested in a decision. You're like, yeah. actually, you know, if someone says, oh, I'm going to go to this college. You're like, it turns out it's a really bad college. They're, like, oh, they're just getting mad. Yeah. They're not going to go, oh, you know, it's too late for them to change their mind. Yeah. So you're like, whatever. I mean, um, but I wanted to make sure they had, I'm like, they didn't make a decision based on that. And then I sort of planned that mapped out our whole plan for the next three years and how we're going to do start doing stuff with Caltech and how we'll have a soft landing into Caltech in high school, I believe, and all these kinds of things. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, I think that, I think that went well, but I had, I, you know, it's <laughs> been a lot of effort at trying to keep them. Sandy's like, she's like, you can't save all of them. And I'm like, but damn it, I'm going to go down swinging. Like I am not, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, this summer when I find out I lose a couple kids, I don't be like, oh, I should have made a phone call or should have talked to their parents or should have shown like I want to make sure I did everything I could to convince them that staying here at McKinley through eighth grade, getting and mastering all this math, advanced math and physics is going to set them up to do all kind of amazing things. And what those things are exactly a little hard to predict, but there are a lot of amazing opportunities and 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 I'll make sure that they understand that while I haven't have every specific step mapped out, I have a pretty good overall plan. And I have the right connections. I said, but look, look at what I've done for them already. I mean, I think I've earned some trust, right? I mean, these kids have mastered all of Algebra 1. Uh, oh, in two years, we did all of pre-algebra, all of Algebra 1, uh, probably two-thirds of Algebra 2 Intrigue, a third to a half of pre-calculus, and we've even done a good chunk of calculus. Three days a week. <laughs> And we pick up the scraps like we miss kids half the, uh, you know, in any given day, we're probably missing a quarter of our quarter to third of our kids because they're on some field trip or there's some, you know, um, singing program or they're doing some project in the class. It's not like we don't get we're last we're the lowest uh, priority. And Sandy teaches with you, right? She's like she's sort of like my T.A. So she right. sits at the back and, you know, um, while well, I, well, I sort of introduce the topic and stuff. And then when. I hand out and so everybody get start working on their thing. We both walk around and help work with kids. I'd love to come and watch one of those classes. Absolutely. You're, yeah. you're well, it's only two and a half more weeks to end of school, so you'd have to come soon. Pretty soon, huh? Okay. Um I'm thinking, you know what would be fun? You know what actually I want? I want to film one, a class. Oh yeah. Okay. Would you be willing to come and film yeah, sure. part of the class? Yeah. Just for posterity. I think it'd be fun. Mm-hmm. And we're running out of time. So maybe this week if you'd be up for it, I'd pick you up and sure. come and just kind of film it and you could periscope it. Periscope it. Yeah. <laughs> I kinda 
the thing is with kids though you gotta um you need permission slips and things like that oh, okay, you can't fine. just you know people people get pretty sensitive about that stuff all right um but film it then we could film it i think it'd be fun to film it and then uh, then i can ask the parents how i mean i just it'd be neat to see yeah see an action i mean i've had a lot of people ask me about it and people were, you know i've had people say you know you should document it you should write a book about it you should die i'm like okay well at the very least i should like take some video of it oh well, yeah and uh, at least do a blog post about it yeah i want to do that this summer yeah this summer so this you know and i was funny when i was talking to the parents what we're gonna do it's like you know we're gonna be doing we're gonna finish up first year calculus next year probably with pre-calculus which means they're gonna be taking an ap calculus test in sixth grade <laughs> It just sounds ridiculous, you know, and it's not like we're racing through it. And they don't, I mean, they understand it. So it's like, well, what, you know, but then we can start doing more proofs type math and we can do all kinds of things, but it's pretty amazing. Um, but the other thing that's really interesting, I think I'm are excited about is I'm meeting there. The new principals coming into the school. We didn't have a principal this year. Um, we had interim principals changing every like month or so. And, and we have the school's been under construction, so it's been kind of a just a disaster. Hmm. That's why some of the kid parents are like want to leave so, you know, that kind of disorganization. Well, we got this super apparently this super bright, really high energy, um, high achieving principal who's 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 going to be coming here from Virginia. The guy's got a PhD. He's super bright. Um, so the vice principal, um, uh, Dr. Barrio, said, "Hey, why don't you why don't you email him?" Tell them what you're doing. Well, that's a good idea because I don't want to be walking up to him at the beginning of the school next year and say, "Hey, we kind of supposed to be doing this thing." Like, I need to get in early and get him get his buy-in and his okay and everything because obviously we are very much outside the system. So I sent an email and I just you know it was a relatively short one, like three or four sentences. Says, "Hey, you know, I just want to introduce myself. Uh, you know, I, we, my wife and I started coaching this team last year, this math team last year. It's kind of rolled into this." involved in this bigger thing and we've taught these kids all this high school math and we've done extremely well in all these competitions and you know um you know et cetera, et cetera. and i said but um i said if you have 15 minutes i'd love to ha i'd love to have a chance to talk with you if we could if i could just tell you a little more about it and uh he's like this sounds really exciting he's like why don't we uh meet for uh dinner uh when i'm as soon as i get in town i'm like let's do it so we're gonna have dinner on tuesday night right down at argentine 1812 where we had the texting nice one of the texting meals so we're gonna have there so hopefully we'll have like a long dinner and i can sort of sell it on my home whole vision and awesome i don't well, want him coming in and be like what's this guy doing like who is he what like you know it'd be very easy to get confused and kind of skeptical about it and i feel like if i can uh if i can really have time to lay out the whole vision and everything that that he'll He'll most likely, you know, buy into it, and then we can lock this thing in for the next three years, right? So that's exciting. So, well, so that, I'll know after Tuesday night, you know, how that goes. And also, you should know pretty soon whether Nicole is going to stay or not. I always tell her parents, I'm like, she's like, you know, she and Riley are like our number one, number two draft picks. I mean, they are. She's super sharp. Yeah, and I'm telling you, take her to Blair, and she's going to be doing fractions for our next. I could just years. imagine. I'm just thinking, like, forward ten years, there's this movie like Patch Adams. But it's about you teaching these kids math. Who's Patch Adams? Did you ever, you ever saw Patch Adams? Robin Williams played him. He's like this kind of, uh, he's just a guy who uh, decided that medicine wasn't quite working, you know, uh, the way that it should be. So he just totally changed his own thing, started his own, you know, hospital, like uh, just, just did that, that whole thing. So, Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, that's why one of the reasons, well, I mean, 
there's a lot of reasons why I don't want the kids to leave. I want the kid. I've have so much vested in the kids. I don't want them to leave. But part of it is like, you know, it, it's like, it's one thing to say, well, I have these two or three really bright kids and I taught them all this advanced math. Be like, okay, yeah. I mean, that's, you're not really proving anything, you yeah. know, but if I have a whole class of kids, it, it's a, it serves as a better example, proof of examples, a proof of concept of what's possible. Um, so I got an update on MV Code Club on our numbers. Oh, okay. So, so, so when uh, I invested in June of last year, I think it was 80, somewhere between 80 and 90, say 85 kids. Yeah. We now have two, as of last week, we had 262. Okay. So my math isn't that great, but it's at least, it's two, two to three times. Three or two, three times would be, yeah, it's probably more like three. I think, I think, I think as of September, October, we're in about 20% a month. That's great. So you, so for Terry's benefit, Jason invested 75 grand in a startup that teaches kids how to code and it's gone from 80 kids to 262. That's pretty awesome. In, in how long? Oh, well, it'll be, oh, I think in July. So it's about 10 months. That's pretty cool. I guess I invested in July. so about 10 months. So it's, it's, it's coming along. It's doing well. But the other cool thing is they're, they're doing a bunch of camps this summer. Yeah. And uh, they have a couple of robotics camps. And um, there's one uh, robotics camp that they're doing. It's on Arduino. So you build your own robot. Nice. Um, use your own parts. And they are doing everything. So I'm actually going to be sending Colby up for a week to stay with Doug. <laughs> Because you know, Doug, Colby's going to love that. Yeah, well, so you know, we Doug, uh, our two families, we went on vacation yeah. uh, f- uh, last summer together for a few days, and um, Doug's son Eli is Colby's age and grade and everything, and they got along great. Yeah, and so he's just going to come stay, hang out with Eli for a week, and go to his camp for a week, and awesome. That's that's really going to be cool. That's about that's of course Colby's first time away from home, so that'll be interesting to see how that goes. So, at what stage you, uh, do you go for major funding with uh, MV Code Club? I don't know. I mean, we're we're not going to do it until we reach profitability. Okay. And we're just a little below profitability. And the reason is because we keep hiring more people. You know, isn't that the typical thing to do? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think I, I think we're going to hit profitability in August, assuming we don't hire anybody else. Um, but we just had a we've just had a couple amazing opportunities, people to hire that we just kind of couldn't pass up. Yeah. Um, and it, it's paid off. Yeah. And it's made the difference and. You know, there's Earl's judgment calls that could go either way, right? You spend money, you spend money, and people don't produce what you need, and then you're in trouble. But if it is the right call, then it can it can be a difference maker. I mean, Derek, who's our sales guy, is just a machine. Yeah, he's just amazing. And that was a good uh, hire. And this new guy, uh, I think it's Jamie or something. I think his name's Jamie. He's I think he has a degree in mechanical engineering or something from uh, Berkeley. Just graduated, super sharp, just really doing an amazing job with the camps and coming up with all the robotic curriculum and stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, you get a couple of these people and they're just, they're difference makers, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, and, and Doug would call me. That's kind of conversations Doug and I would have. He's like, so what do you think? He's like, I could hire this guy. It's going to cost this, you know, and, you know, because these are kind of scary decisions to make. So it's it's good to have someone else to sort of run them by and make mm-hmm. sure there's a sanity check. Like, am yeah. I crazy to think this is a good idea? Yeah. I'm always like, I'm always more like, go for it, you know, <laughs> you know, full speed ahead. Um, so... If things go well, I think we could, um, I think we'll be profitable in the early fall, you know, it's somewhere, in, somewhere in the August, early October range. Mm-hmm. And it was, if you raise money when you're profitable, it means you don't need their money. Yeah. And if you don't need someone's money and you're growing You're just quickly, getting it to scale. 
yeah, scale it but it, to, to boost the speed. Exactly. It's like, hey, it's a nice to have, but not a must have. Then you're in a much, much better negotiating position. You're much more attractive to investors because it's less scary. Yeah. And, you know, you're like, hey, if this isn't the deal we want, we'll just wait three or six more months until we're even bigger. Mm-hmm. And it's and then you know the investors know that it's an even worse deal for you. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. you're gonna we're gonna be a higher valuation and you're gonna get less of the company. So then it gives them a sound to like, oh okay, you know I could invest now at a four million or five million valuation, or I could wait later and it's gonna be a six or seven or I mean you know, I'm just making up numbers. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's exciting. Doug's doing a great job. Yeah, that, that's very exciting. It's, uh, it's 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 coming along. I think I think we're kind of figuring it out. I mean I think. You know, in a year from now, maybe we could have, if we don't raise money, we get, you know, it, it's going to be slower. Maybe we have five of these things going, six of these things going this time next year. If we raise money, maybe we're 10. Oh, wow. I don't know. You know, I mean, 10, 12, I don't know. Something like that. It could, it could definitely go far. Yeah, I think so. That's the potential. And uh, yeah, so I mean, it's turning out, I, I think it's going to turn out to be a, a smart investment. I think that seventy five thousand be worth a lot more than seventy five thousand. I know. I wish I had had the chance. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, right, so what's your next topic? The um, uh, Limitless. Remember that that movie? Yeah, that one, of my, one of my favorite movies. Yeah, NZT forty eight or something. Yeah, there's a TV show coming out. Ah, based on it. Nice. And um, oh, what's the guy's? Bradley Cooper. He's gonna have a recurring a recurring role. Oh, really? That's cool. recurring role. It's a recurring and recurring role. Yeah. yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, so he's he's not going to be in every episode, but he's he's going to be in it. That's cool. And he's I think he has some pro- producing role in it as well, or something. Yeah. So um, that's that's a, that's going to be cool. It looked pretty. It was going to be more like a fighting crime kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know? So like, you know, the detective takes this NZT stuff, and he's like, or this. I think it's this guy takes NZT, and then the FBI instead of like trying to hunt him down, say, hey, you know, he could be an asset. Let's use him because now he's like the smartest guy in the world. Like he can help us. But he's the only guy that can take the NZT. I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, I just saw the uh, preview and the trailer, and there was something about that. So I'm looking forward to that. That, and then of course the uh, um, the yours. It is. Hold on a sec. Yeah, go on. Um, that and uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, Fear of the Walking Dead. When does that it's actually come out? It's called Fear of the Walking Dead, not Fear. Fear, Fear the Walking, walking Dead. Dead. Yeah, I, I don't know. So it's in the summer, so I'm guessing maybe like end of June or something like yeah. that. Exciting. July. So that'll be coming on. I saw this other good one. Uh, when um, we went and saw, Colby and I went and saw, um, was it um, Avenger, this, the new Avengers or the Age of Ultron? Mm-hmm. One of the previews was for this TV show where this hacker acts these sort of like the one percenters or the 0.01 percenters yeah sort of basically destroys their lives it's sort of like this vigilante hacker or something <laughs> like that and i don't know it looked kind of it looked kind of interesting um did you see the imagination game uh no the not the imagination the oh why can't i think of it it's the imitation game yeah oh with um cumberbatch yeah yeah did the, you see that Turing? oh yeah that was great Kobe and I, I took Kobe to that you know it's really funny I, I really like the movie and I especially like the fact that it kind of made me feel like, um, you know, I don't know, like, oh, they really did him bad. They did like, you know, yeah. like, and how he did they it. did him wrong. So I did like I look, you know, Googled how close to the truth is this movie and it just sucks. It like so not close to the truth. Really? Very, really very little of it was was close to truth. Like he he wasn't the only guy who invented that machine. 
he yeah, worked yeah, yeah. very closely with another guy who wasn't even mentioned. Sure. Right? They got to simplify. You have too many characters. He wasn't, he was, he doesn't have, he didn't have Asperger's. In fact, he was pretty well liked by most people, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. They always play math, <laughs> computer science, because we all have Asperger's. Right, yeah. Apparently. He, he was uh, liked. Well, you, you know why they do that? What part is because it's almost like it's not fair. Like, if you're so much smarter in this way, you have to have this other debilitation to even things out. Yeah. It can't be just like us, but you're also just way smarter. Right, right. You know? I know. I, I mean, know. it's just like, okay, let's make this thing fair, you know? And they always do that. The guy, the, the, you know the captain who kept on trying to shut him down? Like, yeah, completely the opposite. The guy really liked him. And in fact, the, the, the family is trying to like basically say, you, you've portrayed our, our like grandfather as this dick, but he's not. He's a really nice guy. And he really wanted Turing to be there. You know, he went out and, fa you know, he specifically asked him to be part of the team. Yeah, well, they got to create, they got to create <laughs> that uh, dramatic tension. The guy, you know, yeah. you know, you know, the point where, where, where Turing in the movie goes, um, uh, okay, you know, We've got to let your brother die, you know, but because we've got to keep all these secrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, complete rubbish. Like, right. like total rubbish. The whole thing about statistical analysis, you know, we're now in control of all the information that goes through. No, not true. Everything went to Churchill, and actually, uh, Churchill acted on pretty much most of it. But it's just that the that the the Germans were so sure in their in themselves that no one could break Enigma that they, they just didn't believe that anyone had hacked it. <laughs> <laughs> so all the dramatic all the plot points and all the dramatic tension complete was made bullshit. up like complete bullshit well see that's the thing like if you gotta make this you, you gotta have this three act two plot point I know yeah you know uh, structure and you gotta yeah. make it work and it's this guy's life or this guy's life at Bletchley Park and you gotta figure out how to fit it in and writers just have to make crap up it says it says, it says in the end that in, like, in the, like the thing it says oh he after undergoing five years of hormonal therapy he killed himself no, he he had the hormonal therapy for one year, and he did some of his best work during that year. <laughs> so yeah, now that's yeah. and that's about right. You know, um, who was the? Uh, I'm blanking on the guy. I'm 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 terrible with names of actors. I can always oh, face fine. it, but yeah. um, uh, what was the guy in Goodwill Hunting with Matt Damon? What's the guy's name? Oh, um, Robin Williams. No, the his his buddy, his peer, not the the younger guy. Matt Damon. Damon's best friend, no, Matt Damon's friend. He went. Out, he's he's going to be the new Batman. Uh, Christian Bale. I don't know. I Come don't on, know. Let's, what are you saying to me? You're as bad as me. Please, can, if, uh, like, okay. One of the six well, he, watches. He, he, of the he did the. He did the um, so he, there was a movie he was in where like the CIA was going to get these guys out of Iran, uh, out of Iran at the fall of the of the show. I don't know. I do, Remember I that? Remember that movie? Oh. They go in and they like kind of um, and they they go in and they think they kind of make make it seem like all these embassy people are, are part of a film crew scoping out um, uh, Iran as a potential sh uh, shoot for a Hollywood science fiction movie. Yeah. And then right. Kate of the whole thing. Argo? Argo? Argo. Argo. Perfect. Ben, Good. Ben. ben. Not Stiller. <laughs> <laughs> Affleck. Ben Affleck. Right, 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 right. There we go. Affleck. Good. There we go. Okay. So <laughs> that whole thing was just was false. Like almost the whole story of that movie was wrong. Which, the Argo one? Yeah. Like, like, the the, <laughs> the embassy officials they're the ones who came up with the idea of making themselves look like a a, a film crew it right. wasn't this guy's name. like all this stuff so it's just you read these movies you see these movies and, it, and they say it says based on a true story but they really mean it's based on a true story loosely. but it's complete shit <laughs> they just say it it's very loosely <laughs> i mean it's yeah it's funny. crazy speaking of things based on a true story uh you know the hell the seymour hirsch the um 
investigative journalist. He's he's one of the the best investigative journalists in the world, right? I saw that. Like he basically he's he is basically asserting that the whole Obama Bin Laden Bin Bin Laden thing is just complete shit. Yeah, which if you remember. Me talking on the show, I said that stuff is, sounds like bullshit to me. And they came up with a bunch of different stories but about they it. They said that they had him, they'd, they'd already arrested him like six years earlier or something. Or no, like no, no, a number no, no. of years earlier. They'd oh, have, well, the, the, the Pakistanis ISI, which is, the, which is their, their CIA equivalent, yeah. they had him and Abbottabad under sort of a kind of a house arrest. But he was an invalid. He was basically, because of his diabetes or kidney functions, he was, uh, he, had, he had like, um, he basically, uh, you know, was, was, was basically a, a cripple or invalid at that point and he had he was in his house with his wives there's no armed guards there's none of that stuff but the isi had him there but they didn't want they were afraid to they didn't want to get the americans involved because uh, osama bin Laden is incredibly popular in pakistan and much of the arab world yeah he's not like this demonized like we, we yeah, yeah, we do. yeah so so um so they were like you know if they if they say oh they let the americans know what it was or term of americans i mean all this People would be thrown out of office or revolution or who knows what, you know, bad things yeah. for them. So they're not going to do that. But essentially, uh, I mean, I, I'd be honest, I haven't finished reading the whole story. I, I listened to an interview with him and I've read, you know, maybe a third of the article, but um, it's like a, like a 10,000 word yeah. piece. But, you know, our story was like that we, we essentially the CIA tortured one of his couriers. Right. And um, but it turns out there was a walk in into the embassy there who, who came in for the $25 million um, reward. Yeah. That guy basically said, you know what, Take my, get me and my family out of here. I want $25 million and I'll tell you where he is. <laughs> and, uh, and that's, and, you know, and, and see the CIA, you know, we, that, there was that 500 page report that came out that, I don't know, was a Senate intelligence report or whatever came out that, that all the CIA torturing and all this kind of stuff. And like, this is just more propaganda to say, see, torture works, you know, and it turns yeah. out it doesn't work. All it's ever done is give us false information because people say whatever you want. $25 million right. works. Twenty five million dollars works like, you know, like the whole the what it used to call the surge in the in the Iraq war, you know, like all of a sudden we sent a bunch of we, we did a surge, which was like we put all these other uh, we brought in more force into certain parts of Baghdad to try and, you know, because there was a civil war broke out as a regard to all, as, as and they were all basically the, the Sunnis were fighting us and Al Qaeda's fighting us and the Shia militias fighting. I mean, it was like, so what we did is we just and they called it like the awakening or the concerned citizens. Essentially what we did is we put all the Sunnis, uh, some of them who had been fighting with Al Qaeda and definitely were against us. We put them on the payroll, not to attack us and to fight Al Qaeda. And so they did. It was a, the cheapest solution was just like, Hey, just pay them 10 bucks a day or five bucks a day. Like you pay people. They won't hate you. <laughs> you know, they'll do stuff for you. You don't have to yeah. torture them or kill them or whatever. You know, it's the, the day people are trying to make a living <laughs> or people, you know, are looking out for their own best interests. But anyway, that he was also the one, and we I talked more about this in the show, I, you know, it was a year ago, whenever when um, there was all that that full court press to like go and attack um, Syria because of you know Assad had apparently used chemical weapons on his own people, and, and and you know three months prior to that, Obama had said that's a red line, they're chemical weapons. If they he uses chemical weapons, then we're going in. And then there was this sort of report that, oh, we, we, we can't show our evidence, but we're convinced that he used, absolutely positive that, that he used chemical weapons. And, mm-hmm. and it turned out like, and I can say that is utter and total bullshit. And then one, if you're, the, if you're the Assad government and you're fighting the rebels and the last thing you want is the, is the U.S. government coming in and helping the rebels out and fighting us, what are you going to do? Well, I can tell you what you're not going to do, use chemical weapons, <laughs> right? Yeah. But if you're the rebels, what do you want? You want us to get. You want more money and support and weapons and everything from us. So what do you, what do you want to do? 
you want to make it look like Assad is chemical weapons. And that's exactly what happened. And that's what, uh, you know, it was through the help of Turkey and stuff was smuggled in through part of Iraq. And there was a bunch of stuff, I think, even um, coming up through Libya because Libya, you know, we had basically demolished that place. And so that was just like sort of ungoverned territory. And so anyway, he wrote a big, uh, Seymour Hersh wrote a big article about it called uh, The Rat Line and the Red Line or something like it. And, and, and basically explained how that all happened. And, you know, the, I think the the Russia and even the British had determined that the, uh, that the chemicals were of a nature that they were used uh, from Iraq, like a chlorine gas as opposed to some other. Mm-hmm. Anyway, whenever the government comes out and they say a bunch of stuff that makes them look really good, that seems a little hard to believe, and they won't show you the evidence, you can almost guarantee it it's total bullshit. You know, oh, we, we came in, we shot him. No, we didn't shoot him. Or he was firing an AK at us. Oh, no, we took his and we took him. We took him on the body and we dumped his body at sea. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Give me a break. And that whole movie. Like, that was the uh, whole of Small Base in the Line. Yeah, the whole, whole thing. bullshit. Or, you know, most of it. I mean, yeah. So, speaking of speaking of made up movies. Yeah. <laughs> what was Love it me. called? Uh, Six to Midnight or something. I can't remember. Uh, was but, yeah. Yeah. And so, and uh, what, what pisses me off about these things where they say based on a true story is you kind of go away thinking, like, really, if I feel affected by it. I'm like, huh, wow, that happened. I, f- I feel really angry on behalf of Alan Turing, you know, or really, I really you know, justified on behalf of that woman who single-handedly fought to uncover bin Laden. And, and that's actually, it's just bullshit. This just shows you how <laughs> easy we are, misdirected, misled, yeah. manipulated. I mean, the news, the media. I mean, it's like, it's not so much that the, the, the often other lies. It's, that it's just, you're not given a lot of the information and the information you're given is limited and you're, and you're just sort of repeatedly shown misdirected information that's like, well, because... I don't think a lot of people in the government like to lie, but you don't have to lie to manipulate people. Mm-hmm. You just don't tell them certain pieces of information and you tell them other pieces of information. And, and when you, you tell them this piece of information all the time and you don't tell them the rest of the story, they start to think what you want them to think. You know, it's like, um, you ever watch those, like, uh, they do like an MSNB or see a lot of these shows where they do like the, the, the cold case, the killer, and they'll, and they'll set it up for the first yeah, yeah, minutes. Yeah, and, and you'll like, think, oh, that woman totally killed her husband yeah, or that yeah, guy totally yeah. did it. And then after they show the rest of their face, she's like, of course he didn't do it. It's like all they have to do is show you a part of the information and you're just, you're completely emotionally vested in, in that guy or that woman being the killer. They had a great ad about that for the independent newspaper in, in the UK, the TV ad for this newspaper. So it starts off and you see a, you see a, a guy in a suit just kind of walking, Right. And then it flashes and you see a guy, a skinhead, like, you know, mm-hmm. this really aggressive looking tattooed guy running towards him like this, looking really aggressive, running towards him. And then it flashes back to the guy in the suit. And it's like, he's, he's looks really scared. He's like, oh, he's looking at this skinhead running towards him, wide eyes. He's think, oh, it's like obvious he's about to get the shit kicked out of him. Right. And then the camera pulls back. And basically, there's like a pallet of bricks just about to be dropped on this guy. And the skinhead's running down to like push him out the way to save his life. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's nicely uh, done, yeah. Well, you know, and, and one thing that's really interesting about the um, about this uh, Seymour Hirsch article um, is in this guy, there's an article which was written up. It was at number one on Hacker News yesterday, which was gross. I saw really it. I read, I read it, yeah. And the Columbia School of Journalism was talking about it was like a 50 to one. Like all the journalists came out and were just bashing Seymour Hirsch. Yeah, they're not. They're not asking questions. I do because they because the problem with our meet most of our media, 
the main what they call the mainstream media, most of our network and most of our big newspapers, is when it comes to national security, foreign policy stuff, they are very uncritical of whatever our, our State Department or Pentagon or intelligence officials say, and they basically just stir, serve as sort of mouthpieces. They just, they're stenographers. They just say, well, they said this or they said that, and they don't question them or go off my heart. And then they get the story wrong, and then you eventually you have some uh, hardcore investigative journalist who actually does the hard work and finds out that these things are lies, and then everyone, all of these, uh, these mainstream journalists jump on it because it makes them look like an idiot, idiots, and because they're sort of vested in the the, the narrative that they help create, mm-hmm. right? And it happens over and over again. There was another a movie that came out about some guy. I can't remember what he did. Oh, it was about the CIA helping to um, bring a bunch of cocaine in to the U.S. to to fund some of the. But the, but then ultimately it starts swaying the other way, doesn't it? It gets to a point where then it's like every they all go, oh oh okay yeah. We not really. In. No. What about really with something speak, like not, Watergate? You know, not very often. I mean, occasionally, but not very often. Most of the time, this is what happens. You know, I mean, most of the time, the government doesn't take too much of a black eye. They take a little bit. I mean, you look at the whole Snowden stuff. I mean, you know, most of the mainstream media spent their time going like, oh, asking sure. about who's Snowden. Is because he I, I thought that, that, that it, it had turned around. I thought that now the public perception of Snowden was that he had done a good thing. I think it's still pretty split. I don't know where it's 40, 60 or 60, 40, one way or right. the other. But, you know, most of the mainstream media spent their time trying to deconstruct Snowden's motives or who Snowden or him being in Russia, you know, as opposed to let's talk about what the NSA is doing. Mm. Let's talk about the unconstitutional nature of all these programs. Let's, uh, let's talk about how, how this stuff is happening and how, why it's, why they're getting away with it and how do we stop it? And, and let's, you know, what criteria upon, uh, is this stuff being judged as being whether it's useful or not you know that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, and that's why when you start asking me, I was I'm like, dude, don't fall into that trap, that narrative. Let's not talk about Snowden. Let's talk about what's really important, right? Right. You know. So anyway, well, you're looking at me like we're way over time, right? Well, I'm just thinking VTOLs is going to be pretty happy with this show. Oh, yeah. This two-hour show. Is it two hours? At this stage. Well, well, I mean, there's, there's a little bit to cut out, but um, yeah. All right. Well, I, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. But uh, the, the last thing, you know, we're talking about movies and, and TV shows and stuff. One last thing I just listed is, have, have you watched Blacklist? With James Spader? No, I mean, I, I watched the first few episodes and I thought that it was great and had a lot of potential, but I haven't been watching. I would recommend it, especially if you get to the summer and you're like, you're kind of yeah. running out of things. It's, we just finished up, I think it was just the season finale for season two. Yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, for a network show. Yeah. It's a network show, so it's not Breaking Bad. You never quite know where... Red, Reddington. Or Red is... What's going to happen, right? You never quite know. There's that. a lot of twists. Yeah. Yeah. He's just... I mean, really, he's just such... James you just Spader's, don't quite know. Is he a good guy or a bad guy? Like, you're always... They're changing your opinion about it all the time. And he's a little bit of a mixed bag, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. you know, which any complex character is going to be, you know? Um, and uh, it's fascinating. I mean, it's good. I, I would recommend it or to our listeners. A Blacklist is definitely worth watching. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that's it. I got to go and uh, take uh, take the kids to go get some frozen yogurt. And All right. Well, so what do you think of your first scope? I don't know. I guess I'll see how uh, dumb I look on video. I'll tell you <laughs> if I <laughs> do it again or not. All um, right. But uh, I don't know. Did, did it work technically as far as you're concerned? Yeah, technically great. Apart from the fact I forgot to plug in the PC so the Hangout died. But I don't know if I like the, if the Hangout part is, is good. I think maybe just do, the, just do the scope stuff. But uh, 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 Philip Monet saying it was good. And um, yeah, 
I think it was pretty good. Awesome. I think we'll do we'll do this. It's just too bad that it's just too bad that we don't have uh kind of like hangouts where you have like video on both of us and they could kind of switch and whoever's talking. Yeah. You know. Well, we we could do that, but the way you do that is by having two two phones. Uh so so someone else is saying I'm just oh, uh Ben Ben RS is saying Periscope was good plus one for it again, please. Okay. All right. Um, you think so? You think you can pull it off with if if, if we use my phone? Oh, but you need a whole another. We uh, we just have a different. Uh, no, I think that you can. Um, I remember someone. I remember them saying that you could potentially do that if we both logged in with the same account. But I think that everyone involved needs two phones. That's the problem. Yeah. Everyone involved needs two. Phones. The watchers and the and the creators both need two phones. Because right now it's just a single stream. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of that uh, TV show, The Dish. Have you seen that? No, I have not. It's like a. It's almost like it's like in a radio studio, and it, they have like this revolving um, uh, set of uh, kind of comedian type yeah. people, um, hosts who are funny, and they just talk about like ridiculous pop culture things. I mean, we we could put like a spin the bottle thing on so that like we just. I'm not that. playing spin the bottle with you. That, no. I can tell right now. <laughs> um, but Ben makes a good point, which is we could just move the phone further away so that it gets both of us in. But I think the problem with that is the audio is not going to come through very well, but the phone. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we, we done? Getting it down? I think we are done. What are you doing? Just uh, saying, just showing myself saying we're done. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. That's a wrap. We're out. <laughs>